When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Buckeye Talk is brought to you by shopohiostate.com and the Ohio State University Barnes & Noble Bookstore. The finest place online and in person for all the best Ohio State apparel and MinutemanTickets.com, all your ticket needs, a national selection with the local feel. Make our ticket guys your ticket guys. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Doug Maurice and Stephen Means, and we're in the basketball building, right, Stephen? Yeah, in the media room. Just got a tour. What'd you think of your tour of the Schottenstein Center? Well, you will be spending many winter nights this year covering the Ohio State basketball team. I've spent a, I've spent some time in here before, but this is just getting to see it from a whole different angle. Where like it's people who are working here and not oh, just right. kind of here to enjoy. Oh a game. God, I get. Oh, now this is the part where Doug's supposed to ask. Oh, so Stephen, you've played on this court before? That's not even where I was going. You, with it. I was just going like, virile, yeah, you virile young athlete, you. Just every opportunity you get, Stephen, <laughs> you throw my old lameness in my face. I was literally just saying I've enjoyed a basketball game here too. Just since, since you know I'm from Columbus. Now I'm not just seeing it as a fan. I get to see it as a person who gets to work in this building. But why did you play here? Um, high school stuff, you know, camps, all types of different reasons. I played golf in high school. Anyway. Golfers make a lot of money, man. Not the way I play. All right. Oh, it's Buckeye Talk. Um, thanks for you guys for joining us again. You can follow us on Twitter at Buckeye Talk Pod, at Stephen with the PH underscore means, at Doug Maurice. We're going to dig in on the Buckeyes. We've got a lot of good questions from you guys. I also asked for some uh, weird stuff because we like to talk about food and robots here. And we haven't talked about food and robots enough lately because we've been knee-deep in a football team that is in partial crisis. And you guys really like it when they're in crisis. And someone asked, we're going to start with something positive because someone asked a question after our first post-game podcast with Stephen uh, after the game Saturday, like why we didn't talk about this one thing. And I was like, because that was a positive thing and no one asked any positive questions. True. So we only dealt like with the negative things of this team. From your very early perspective on this, Stephen, what do you think about like the tone of Buckeye talk and the tone of questions that we get uh, given where the Buckeyes are right now at 8-1? I think... 
coming off the last two games, there was a lot of fear put in the place. Like, we were at the game, obviously, and at halftime of that game, the Buccaneers were getting booed into the locker room. So I think the way they've played the last two games has a worrisome tone set for, like, fans. I don't necessarily think that's something that's all year long. Obviously, at the beginning of the season, there's a lot of optimism because this team is usually really, really good. But I think the way they've played the last two games, there's a lot of pessimism going around. I was waiting for some other teams to lose uh, Saturday night after Ohio State won. Um, I thought Oklahoma was going to lose to Texas Tech for a while. I thought Notre Dame had a chance to lose to Northwestern. Both those teams ended up winning. But like, it, I, I didn't go read it because I, I didn't want to. But I briefly thought... Like, oh, should I, I'm, I'm curious to go read, like, the reaction of Oklahoma fans after they struggled with Texas all right. Tech all game, right? I think Texas Tech is, like, 5-4, and four, so they have a little better record than Nebraska. But Nebraska, you know, whatever. I, I just don't know. I think it's important to always try to put the Buckeyes in context. I understand that the context is they should be awesome. Listen, they're not Bama. They're not Bama as a program right now, and they're clearly not Bama as a team. But, Stephen, again, just as you are, are getting rolling here and absorbing the context, what do you, how do you try to view it when you look at Ohio State, not just against who they played on Saturday, but, but other teams who are supposed to be good who maybe struggle on Saturdays? I think Bama is a extreme comparison. I think that comparison only matters because of the, the history between Urban and Nick Saban. I think a better comparison is always going to be Michigan. And Michigan handled his business on Saturday. And Ohio, that was a game. When Ohio State played Penn State, that was a bit of a game. When Michigan, Michigan plays Penn State, it, well, 42 to 7. Yep. So I think that's where a lot of the worry comes from is that, hey, this team is coming in here in two weeks, in three weeks, I'm sorry. And that's going to be extremely competitive game in the way that it yeah Ohio State Michigan's always a competitive game but for the last couple of seasons it's been we all knew that Ohio State was probably going to pull out that win and now it's after seeing what Michigan has done the past few weeks and especially on Saturday it's more of a is Ohio State going to win against Michigan this year or is Michigan going to come in here and pretty much kick our butts and then head to the college football playoff it's not too early. It's not too early to get into that. You're, you're getting me all wound up now for Michigan talk. I'm like, should we do, do two hours on Michigan? We could do two hours on Michigan because I think there's a lot of fascinating things at play with the idea of Harbaugh has a quarterback. Harbaugh hasn't had a quarterback yet. Mm -hmm. With the idea of in a world where people are worried about Ohio State's defense, Michigan has the best defense in the country. In a world where Ohio State, and now this makes me want to go write this story right now, and I'll write it before we get to the game. But basically, Urban Meyer is playing a Jim Harbaugh quarterback, and Jim Harbaugh is playing an Urban Meyer quarterback. Yeah. Shea Patterson makes a lot more yeah. sense at Ohio State, and Dwayne Haskins makes all kinds of sense at with Jim Harbaugh. There, there's a lot of things at play here, but the main thing at play is that I think the, the idea that I think Ohio State's going to be an underdog in its own stadium against its rival, mm -hmm. and that is going to be an amazing thing. And I talked about this. Where did I talk about it? I lose track of where I was talking about things. Oh, I was talking about it on the radio. And I always say this, Stephen. I don't know. Stephen, just, just shoot me straight on this. Have you gone back and listened to any previous Buckeye talks just to get a vibe for the show? Yeah. because For real? Yeah. I, I have to be on it. So I'd like to know like what's to expect. Yeah. So you know that we talked about robots and square cut pieces. Yeah. I thought it was really weird. I'll be honest yeah. with you. Oh, yeah. No, this is going to be good. Oh, good. So you know what you're in for. That's better. 
I don't like to not know what I'm doing. When yeah. I'm doing oh, yeah. You're in for it. Oh, we're going to talk a lot about robots today. I don't know so, why, but okay. Uh, uh, Ohio State, I think, has a chance to sort of be a spoiler for Michigan in that every, a lot of people think Michigan looks better right now. Almost everybody looks thinks Michigan looks better right now. That's yeah. almost a unanimous opinion. If you asked 100 people who college, follow college football, you'd get 98 to 2 in favor of Michigan. Ohio State fans would admit that. It doesn't mean necessarily that Michigan's the better team. They're looking and playing better right this very second, at the very least. But the idea that both, I think, are on track for a playoff berth, the winner of that game, if they win the Big Ten Championship, no matter who it is, I think is in. Michigan surely is. I think both of them are. Actually, Notre Dame's a complicating factor for Michigan that actually isn't a complicating factor for Ohio State, but I digress. But it's going to be... In addition to Ohio State, if it beats Michigan and Maryland, Michigan State and Maryland having everything in front of it, Ohio State has not gotten to try to ruin Michigan's year in a long time because they've always been the better team. So the idea of Ohio State could be an underdog at home with a chance to screw up Michigan, Ohio State never gets to be the underdog. And I often think that kind of stuff is overplayed sometimes. But I think that could almost be the perfect thing for this team after a season that has been difficult, after a season that has been filled with wins where they didn't look very good. The idea of we're at home and nobody thinks we're going to win, I think Urban Meyer would hammer that Michigan week if they get to that point. They can hammer. They can be a team with Dwayne Haskins and Draymond Jones and a lot of really good players and Chase Young. And hammer the underdog thing. I think one of the most dangerous things in the world is when a legitimately talented team gets to play the role of underdog, which they never get to play. I think they would embrace that. So 2014. How'd that work out? They love it. They love it. They're so tired of being the, like they love being the big dog, but it's exhausting. Because the whole thing about being the big dog is everybody gives you their best shot. Right. You you win 36-31 and everybody's mad. You lose to Purdue and it's not just a loss. It's like the world is burning down. That's life as the big dog. To get to be the underdog, they'd love it. Don't you think they'd love it? No. No? No. They'll be I mad think, okay. if Michigan's good? I think from a story, I think we like it more than like athletes like it. You don't think it will motivate them? You don't think it'll motivate? I mean, yeah, yeah. Obviously, that's a motivating factor. But you know what else is a motivating factor? This is your rival coming into your house. Yeah, they don't really need a lot of motivation. Exactly. That's this Michigan. This is like enough. Like they could both suck, and like we know how rivalries go. We could lose every game in the world, but if we beat this one team, we had a successful season. I think the main difference. Like I think let's just compare 2014 because that's where we're headed right now. I think with that team, it was more. They're just a year ahead of schedule. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this team is a year ahead of schedule as far as like what their peak is. I think this like if they I think if they won a national championship this year, that would be a huge accomplishment that was that outplayed my expectations for this team. While in 2014, it was man, this team's got a lot of talent. Next year, 2015, they're going to be a problem. This year, they'll. You know they'll when they'll do what Ohio State usually does. Maybe win, lose a game or two, but they're going to be a next year team. I don't know if this is a next year team, especially because Dwayne Haskins isn't you know a freshman or a sophomore, and obviously Dobbins is and Weber's a junior. But this isn't the same team where a lot of your talent is just a, in a situation where a lot of people are thinking they're just a year away. Mm, 
I think I disagree with that. Really? Actually. I mean, I've written, I, I've made a lot of comparisons between the 2017 recruiting class and the 2013 recruiting class mm -hmm. that, that I thought, yeah, like, the complicating factor is Dwayne Haskins, right? Yeah, that, because... that Dwayne Haskins has changed this program. Mm. 90% for good, but like 10% for like, we don't know what to do with the throwing quarterback. But I think there's a world where the guys they have back next year, Chase Young, Jeffrey Okuda, Baron Browning, Thayer Munford, J.K. Dobbins, uh, all these guys we've talked about, these, these current second-year players, um, you throw them in with Tate Martell, who's a guy in their class, they might be a year away. I mean, but, but Haskins makes a difference. Yeah, he makes a difference because let's just look at that 2013 class again. Their quarterback was supposed to be Braxton Miller. He gets hurt in practice, and that changes everything. Now you've got the quarterback who's going to be their quarterback with them for the entire year. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, they lost early in the season, but that was to be expected. I mean, you throw a whole new quarterback in there with a lot of young talent in there who's never – really played at Ohio State before, and it kind of changes some things. This time, the Braxton Miller, not saying not saying that Dwayne Haskins is anything like Braxton Miller, but right, right. the Braxton Miller is still the quarterback. Right. And so that changes some things where Tate Martell's next year is going to have to still build that chemistry with that, those players if he is in there going to be the starting quarterback next year. I do think the one thing is, is they'll slide right back into that offense pretty easily. Oh, yeah. It'll, it'll well, be most definitely. Because Tate Martell's a runner first. Yeah. But the fact that the Braxton Miller guy is still here is what is why it was a lot more. When he went down, it turned into this team is going to be a problem next year instead of like this team coming to the national championship this the, year. The thing that I think we've learned, and we've talked about this over the years with Ohio State, is like there's no such thing really as like this is the year. That's It's just every year because right. they've done it a couple times where um, you thought you were pegging something to a season, like you think you can see it coming, and then they go early, and then it turns out then the early year was better than the year you thought they were supposed to be good. So they're supposed to be good all the time, but I am going to write something this week. I think people need to look at the structure of this roster. And it was a, we answered a question about this in the postgame podcast. You look at the structure of the roster, and people are asking, "Is it trending? Is this program trending down?" It, it's not because it, they really they, they've got to get they've got to get some of these really highly rated recruits to play like all Americans. Yeah, and they're not yet. But I think there is a lot. I think there's a lot that you can point to in the future that uh, that even though they're never a year away anymore, every. For the, with Ohio State and Clemson and Alabama and teams like that anymore, every year is the year. You're never a year away. Every year is the year. But I also think they might be a, a year away. But I also thought they were going to be really good. Like I thought they legitimately would be really good this year because I thought Haskins and the combination of this roster, this young talent, not veteran talent. They have no veteran talent. No. It, they, just, they, don't, they don't have any seniors that really matter that much. They have Isaiah Prince and, and the receivers. But he's not. they're not guys that came into the year. You're like... Oh yeah, there's your leaders. And, and and well, I mean, but like it's not not even for it's just like no offense to the receivers, they're all very good. They're not all they're not all Americans. No. You know, Isaiah Prince isn't an all American. It's like but they have guys that you think maybe could be all Americans. Anyway. Uh, so let's talk about here I wanna I wanna stay on a positive note. I'm gonna try to find a positive headline to put on this podcast because it, it's something I took to heart after that discussion. Um and, and I wanna get to this question. Because Walter Johnson is the guy who actually asked the question after listening to the post-game podcast that sort of steered us this way. Great Buckeye Talk pod this week. You guys hit on some major points. However, I was surprised at no mention of the three red zone touchdowns on four trips. 
Of all the improvements necessary, that seemed to be amongst the most crucial. I'm interested in your thoughts. I definitely understand the soul-sucking aspect of this game. It was a tough watch, but I believe and hope that Urban took an opportunity against a weaker opponent to work out the real kinks. Tough game to watch, but I believe it was a net positive. That's from Salty Walty, Walter Johnson on Twitter. Um, I wrote a big story. You can find it on Cleveland.com. I put up this this afternoon on the Red Zone Touchdowns. Did you feel like after watching that game, Stephen, like that is solved? And if it is solved, how big is that for this team? And if it's not solved when it comes to having a red zone plan, how big is that for this team? I think as far as like how you want, they want to attack it, yes. I think as far as the success rate of it, I put that in the same category as the run game. This was Nebraska. And that's with all due respect to Nebraska, but Nebraska is not Michigan State as far as talent level and the type of threat they present to Ohio State. So from a standpoint of like, it seems like they found some things that have that they feel like will work going ahead. This week, you get to see all those things up against a more talented team. So I'm not going to say it's solved as far as like the success rate. I'll say it's solved in terms of like, hmm, what are you going to do? And they have found some things that they feel like can work for them long term. So I want to look up red zone opponent red zone conversions. Um, let's see, touchdown rate. Michigan State is seventh in the country in the lowest touchdown rate in the red zone allowed to the opposition. Mm-hmm. They have allowed on 22 red zone trips, they've given up 10 touchdowns and eight field goals. So, again, a lot of times when you think about red zone conversion rate, people are talking about points. I don't care about points. I'm talking about sevens. Threes are going to lose you games. Ten out of 22 is, is pretty good. That's a top ten defense. And I'm, I'm sort of more interested in that than I am in uh, sort of just run game stuff. For comparison, Ohio State is 95th in touchdown present, uh, percentage allowed in the red zone. They're 95th in the country. They allow a touchdown in the red zone 68% of the time. That's 25 red zone trips and 17 touchdowns. So that is a big edge for Michigan State. Um, I think a lot of the red zone stuff does seem solved. I really watched a lot of – I watched all the stuff very closely. I watched all the red zone trips. And – this holds true with everybody, but it's always, you know, you watch a play and you think, God, that guy, that defender got right in there and tackled somebody. But it's always a question of are guys losing one-on-one battles? Or did someone miss an assignment? Was it a blocking scheme that wasn't done correctly? And, um, or was it just numbers? Was it just that, that they had seven defenders there and you only had six blockers and there's, no, there's nothing you can do? Ohio State talks all the time about evening up the numbers. They did a good job in the red zone with these two and three tight end sets of getting equal numbers. And when they got equal numbers, the tight ends blocked their butts off. Urban Meyer said that Luke Farrell, who's a Northeast Ohio kid, tight end, had his best game on Saturday. And watching the red zone, I see why he said that. All three J.K. Dobbins touchdowns, um, actually, it's not the three J.K. Dobbins ones because J.K. Had, had a long 42. one. It's the two short J.K. and the Paris Campbell touchdown. Mm-hmm. All three had very important Luke Farrell blocks. One time he sealed an edge on a linebacker on the first Dobbins one. Um, one time he led and took out the edge defender on the second Dobbins one. And the third one, they got numbers on the edge with Paris Campbell, and it was Isaiah Prince took out the end. 
Luke Farrell took out the linebacker, and Jeremy Ruckert took out the safety. And it was three guys on three guys, three Buckeyes made blocks, and Paris Campbell ran nine yards and got in the end zone, and nobody touched him. So I think sometimes in the past, without the threat of a running quarterback, they've been outnumbered. And if you're outnumbered, you've got to adjust. So, so what you try to do in the zone read is reduce the numbers for the defense by taking defenders out of the play because they end up guessing wrong on who has the ball. But if you're not going to take a defender out of the play, you better block him out of the play. You've got to add to your numbers if you can't subtract from their numbers. Especially if one of the guys that you're trying to run the ball with can't make a guy miss for it to save his life. And that was another huge thing Urban talked about. I really thought Urban put it on the running backs yeah. this week, that they needed something. And so I thought, A, they evened up the numbers by saying, we're going three tight ends and we're going to run. We don't mm-hmm. care if you know we're going to run. B, within that framework, those guys made their blocks every single time. Wyatt Davis made his blocks. Mm-hmm. Ruckert and Farrell made their blocks. And the third thing is, to your point, and Urban was very excited about this, the first Dobbin touchdown, the short one, mm-hmm. <clears throat> they had nine blockers on that play. Everybody blocked. They had three tight ends. No, I think they had two tight ends. And, pa- and Paris Campbell is in the game blocking, too. But that left two free guys, right? Mm-hmm. Two free safeties. Dobbins got to the three, lowered his pads, split the two safeties who were late to the hole, and ran right through them to the end zone. Mm-hmm. So to me, if you can do those three things consistently, A, get the numbers equalized, B, those extra blockers you have in make their blocks, and C, when a back has to take care of a guy – He's able to run around him or run through him. I think this can work long term. Does that make sense to you that maybe this package – I think we're going to see it a lot. Yeah. I think we're going to see this jumbo package a lot. And I think it won't be as easy against Michigan State, but I think it can work against anybody because I do think – I don't think their offensive line is great. I think it's pretty good. I thought those tight ends blocked great in that game, and I think J.K. Dobbins got his mojo back a little bit. Can this work? Yeah, I, like I said, I think it can work. I just think it's one thing to do it against Nebraska. It's another thing to do it against one of the best defenses in the country, especially in the red zone. It's a whole different conversation. Yeah. I have a whole Michigan State thing in my head, too, that we'll get to later in this podcast. I'll get to it in a second. Because it, 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 it's, it's all about... Someone made a comment when I, I tweeted out earlier this week, and everybody knows that Ohio's – or I tweeted it out because Urban said it. I didn't know before that because I don't really do that much work. Urban said it, and I was like, oh, maybe I'll steal his information. There they have the number one rush defense in the country. Yeah. They give up 72 yards a game. And someone said, I, I seem to remember reading that about Michigan State in the past right up until they played Ohio State. And that happens sometimes. There are two kinds That's of true. Michigan State teams. That's true. And, and there used to be back in the day when everybody, all they said was Sparty's going to Sparty. You know, like that's it. That, and there used to be a thing called Clemsoning because Clemson couldn't ever seal a deal. You start winning, you change narratives. Nobody says that about Clemson anymore. Nobody should say that about Michigan State anymore. D'Antonio has changed that. They are legit. If you want to make fun of Michigan State, let's talk about 2013 and 2015. Yeah, they've beaten Ohio State enough times. See now, how though. funny you think it is, Ohio State fans. <laughs> But there are, are other times when, Michigan, when Ohio State is gearing up for a good Michigan State team and they beat them by 40. You think this is one of those years where that could happen? I think it's possible. I think they are a limited offensive team. 
I think they're banged up a little bit. I think they are they are first in run defense. They are in the hundreds or ninety eighth or something in pass defense. And we still do have a throwing quarterback. We have seen the Spartans in the past with the no fly zone with some great secondaries at Michigan State. I don't think they have that right now. I think it's possible that they go jumbo on some things and throw out of it. I think you have to the whole half the point of establishing an identity is so that you can break tendency when it matters. But you can't break a tendency if you don't have any. If you just get stopped all the time, you don't have a chance to throw somebody off. But, like, I'm not going to be a – this might be my outrageous prediction for this game is that Wyatt Davis catches a touchdown pass. So, just, like, to get this on the record, are you talking about my alma mater's former head coach right now saying that the secondary is going to be the problem? Who? Who? What? Paul Haynes. What about Paul Haynes? What did he say? That's the secondary coach for Michigan State this year. Oh, Paul Haynes is the secondary coach for Michigan State? Yeah. He used to be the secondary coach here. He did, and then he was the head coach at Kent State. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Well, I'm not blaming Paul Haynes. He's a fine fella. Hmm. Um, but there, I don't know, it's just numbers, man. Don't play the Paul Haynes. Don't come at me, Paul Haynes. It's just numbers, man. I'm just telling you what the numbers tell me. I'm not taking a shot at anybody. I'm telling you right now, pass defense, Michigan State is... 98th in the country. They give up 253 yards per game. And that often happens. I mean, it's one of those things. It's why you can't always break down stuff. It's like, why are you number one in something? Because mm. you're number 100 in something else. Sure. And part of, have, I haven't watched every Michigan State game, but if part of the reason nobody runs against Michigan State is because nobody has to. Because it's like, well, we're going to throw. We can do whatever we want through the air. So we're not worried about it. I, I think this is a game where by establishing the run, especially in the red zone, Ohio State has opened up some possibilities. I think they're going to throw a lot. I think they'll throw successfully. And then I think they'll run off that throwing. And I think if they sta- establish something that works in the red zone, and I think it, I think they have. I think they're going to go back to it. And then they're going to start wrinkling off of that. Do you have a belief I have a Wyatt Davis question I want to get to, and we'll get into Michigan State much more, but what's your gut at the moment? That this is a Michigan State team that's going to be a problem and can win this game, or that this is a Michigan State team that is going to be more like the team that's good but gets blown out? I think Ohio State's going to win the game, first and foremost. I do think that the first half will be more of a back and forth, and then the third quarter is where Ohio State will start to pull away. Kind of wishy-washy. You know, playing the defense <laughs> a little bit, you know. Here's the thing. Um, Do you think – I don't think we've seen the best of the Ohio State offense. No, I think it can can definitely get – obviously, Dwayne Haskins didn't have his best game on Saturday, and he's been better. And there – it seems like the running game is getting better. No, we haven't seen the best of Ohio State, which is part of the reason why I say that, you know, it might start slow because Michigan State still is the defense – like, numbers-wise is the defense that it is. But I do think that, like – this is the game where Ohio State can kind of put some things all together, especially on the offensive end. Now, the defense it's still to be seen, but I think offensively this will be the game where you can see them put them both together. They've had a game where they really, really emphasized on the pass, and then they had a game where they really, really emphasized on the run. I think this is the game where they can put both together and have a solid offensive game. And the thing is, um, I, I think Michigan State is – less scary to Ohio State than Purdue was. Because if I'm Ohio State, what scares me more is somebody's offense than somebody's defense. Because 
as as much as they had red zone failures and the red zone failures killed them against Purdue, um, they've moved the ball on everybody. And so the idea that Michigan State allows 72 rushing yards per game, and I know Ohio State had two games against Minnesota and Purdue where they ran for fewer than 100 yards. Some of that was self-inflicted. Some of that was play calling and desperation, and they lost balance there. I don't know that I look at this Ohio State team, even with its problems, and see a team that's like, man, they're going to lose like 20 to 10. They're going to lose 23-17 because like Michigan State just completely shuts them down. I don't think that is out there. I thought the idea of like they lose a shootout to Purdue, they lose a game in the 30s to Purdue, which is what I predicted, and they end up losing 49-20. That I thought was much more dangerous. That like, okay, this this defense, it gives up big plays. You know the offense is going to move the ball, but if you never stop them, you're dead. And I don't know 100% what the answers are for the defense. I feel like the answers are there for the offense. And I think if they found them, I can, can you imagine? Do you think it's on the table? I don't think, I said, I think if Ohio State gets to 30, they win. Is it on the table? So... Let's say Ohio State has a complete defensive breakdown and maybe Michigan State beats them 34-31. There have been some other close Michigan State games. Uh, in 2016, it was 17-16, Ohio State won. In 2015, when they lost, it was 17-14. Like, I don't think that's out there. I would. Do you think it's possible that Ohio State loses this game 17-14? No. Um, if I'm not mistaken, that 2015 game was also the same game where they just didn't give Zeke the ball. Yep. As much as they should have given him the ball. Tim Beck is not here, so they're not going to yeah. lose 17-14. Yeah, I Tim, think... Beck, Tim Beck, by the way, is a guy that we uh, often say negative things about on this podcast. Kind of a thing. Oh. As I introduce you to more Buckeye Talk stuff. I'm sorry, Tim. Tim. Yeah. Oh. I don't know you, but I guess I have to say bad things about you from now on, so I apologize. Man, you are getting it. Yeah. I think, obviously, yeah, if, it gets, if it's in the 30s, Ohio State's winning that game. I think if it's that low of a scoring game, it would literally take something like that where it was just coaching decisions that were made that led to that type of outcome. Like when they're not giving Zeke the ball, so at the end of the game, he's going, I feel like I didn't get the ball nearly as much as I should have gotten the ball. And we're all saying, hey, Zeke didn't get the ball nearly as much as he should have got the ball. And then we all know what happened when they played Michigan the following week. They gave him the ball, and it was, you know, holy matrimony. I think... This time around, the only way they lose a game where it's if it's in the teens is if that type of thing happens. And I don't think that type of thing is going to happen this year. So uh, D'Antonio had his first double-digit win season at Michigan State in 2010. That was his fourth season there. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So this is his ninth season since then. So in the eight previous seasons since 2010, since when they really got good, uh, Ohio State is four and three against Michigan State. He has been a thorn in the side, and they have played a lot of low-scoring games. They lost ten to seven in Ohio Stadium in 2011 in the lost Ohio State year. That was a cluster. Seventeen uh, sixteen at Michigan State in 2012 was like a, a a seminal moment in the Urban Meyer era. I think it's the first time they did like the winning toast thing that Urban talked about yeah. at the skull session last week. A lot of things came together in that Michigan State game that became a springboard for Ohio State. So that was a 17-16 win, but that was a big deal. 
They lose the Big Ten Championship in 2013, 34-24. 2014, in their revenge game, they go to Michigan State. They, they throw it all over the place. And what I think, and a lot of people think, was the best game JT Barrett ever, play, ever played. That's 49-37. Then 2015, the game you just talked about, they screw up the play calling. The next year at home, they lose 17-14. 2016, they go up to Michigan State in a year when Michigan State won three games. And Ohio State wins 17-16. And I think Michigan State went for two at the end there and yeah. didn't get it. Um, and then last year they blew them out 48 to 3. So there are a lot of low scoring games in there. 2016 was an offense with JT Barrett that had trouble finding itself. 2015 is the play calling fiasco. 2012, their offense was Braxton run left, Braxton run right. Yep. 2011, they had zero offense. <laughs> Braxton was a true freshman that year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, there was a lot of there's a lot of ball. I think Joe Balserman had to come into that game in relief. Yeah, you know no, what? Let's do let's do a story on reliving the 2011 game and see if 61 people read it this week. Who wants to relive the 10-7 2011 oh loss? That was interesting. Shout out to Luke Fickle. But I think in 2013 and 2000, 2013 loss, 2014 win, Ohio State scores 49. 2017 win, Ohio State scores 48. I do. I, I just can't imagine this being a team that can't move it. And I just think Michigan State was 10-3 and last year. They lost by 45 to Ohio State. I think that's more on the board. And I think if Michi- I think somehow and Michigan State has not – they're not a high-scoring team. They're, they're very low – now look it up. Now I can't just say they have a low ranking. But I, do you, you – if it gets in the 30s, you think Ohio State wins. You don't 100%. think Michigan State can win 34-30? Not at all. I think a lot of the fears is just – I think it's more because of the way Ohio State has played the last two weeks than it is anything that Michigan State has done this year of why there's any worry going into this game. Michigan State is 111th in the nation in scoring, 23.4 yeah, no. points per game. So if this is a high-scoring game, they're just not going to be able to keep up. I don't think they can hang. I don't no. think they can hang in a shootout. Purdue legitimately I thought was a threat. I just – I think I'm going to pick a blowout. I really do. I think, and here's the thing: a lot of this season has made me feel like an Ohio State homer because I keep thinking like they'll figure it out, they'll figure it out, they'll figure it out. And then, like a lot of it, I was wrong on. Like they didn't figure it out, and they paid for it. They looked bad against Minnesota. They lost to Purdue. A lot of people were very nervous about parts of this team that I kind of poo-pooed along the way. See, I was different. You were. You thought there were concerning things. I along thought the way. that there was a good chance that at any moment. They're going to go try to flip, and it's not going to happen. And they kept – I always said this team is is winning off of talent a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. And eventually, when you go to flip that talent on, it's not going to show itself, and that happened in the Purdue game. They went to go try to flip it on real quick, and it didn't happen. And now I think that was the – and then the next – and then they have to – then they have two weeks to think about that of – no, we got to get back to who we are. We got to get back to who we got back to who we are. And they struggle against Nebraska a lot because they just couldn't hold on to the football. But they struggled again. I think they're still, but because once again, their talent won the game for them. Michigan State is better than Nebraska, but they're not good enough offensively to keep up. So if Ohio State makes this a high-scoring game, then yeah, they're going to win this game. Let's get to Wyatt Davis real quick. Uh, Derek at IL Buck one. Are you surprised Wyatt Davis was the offensive lineman they brought in for a jumbo package? Seems like the perception has been that Josh Myers 
was the better run blocker. Even going back to high school, I would have thought Myers would have come in. Um, I think a lot of that is that Myers is a center now, yeah. and Davis is a guard, and they're just not going to put like a, they're not going to turn a center into a tight end. They're worried about getting Josh Myers ready, I think, to be the center next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, and 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 on the uh, Big Ten coaches teleconference on Tuesday, Urban Meyer talked more about Wyatt Davis. He loves to talk about this kind of stuff. It sounds like Urban Meyer believes that like Wyatt Davis has figured it out. And he's been and, trying to play him. What's that? He said he's, he's going to play him. So. Well, I mean, he said last week he was like, he's, he's going to play, he's going to play. And it's always like, well, if he's going to play, someone's not going to play. Right. So what he actually was telling us is like Wyatt Davis is the jumbo tight end. That's what he meant. Mm-hmm. We at the moment thought it meant like, okay, he's going to play instead of Demetrius Knox. So he says now that Wyatt Davis is the next guy in. Wyatt Davis is like the sixth offensive lineman. So I think if you would see an injury – um, I don't think Wyatt Davis can play center, though. I think like you might see a shuffle. If there was an injury on the inside, you might see one of the inside guys kick the tackle and Wyatt Davis come in. And if you saw something happen to one of the guards, it sounds like Wyatt Davis would definitely come in. So I think Wyatt Davis, he's a top 25 national recruit. This was a monster get for them out of California to get Wyatt Davis here. And, it, and again, it just sometimes that happens. It takes a guy a little while. It sounds like he's got it, and they have a lot of confidence in him right now, and he, he handled all his blocks. So, no, I'm not surprised. I think I think next year, so they are losing Malcolm Pridgen and Demetrius Knox. Both guards are seniors, and Isaiah Prince, the right tackle, is So senior. he's the starter next year? I think next year the starting interior on this line mm-hmm. is Michael Jordan back to guard, okay. Josh Myers at center, Wyatt Davis at guard. I think that's across – I think it will be Munford – Obviously, Mumford at left tackle, Jordan at left guard, Josh Myers at center, um, Wyatt Davis at right guard, and I think probably Nicholas Petit Frere as a true sophomore at right tackle. That would be my guess for the starting offensive line next year. And like, if you play that line, that is a lot of stars. That is a lot of high four star and five star guys on that line. And like, if Davis and Myers are all ready for that, Petit Frere is ready for that, like, that's a young line. That is a very, very high upside line. Again, as we're talking like future, like where are they building to? Like there are some things here. They're playing some guys on the line right now, and it's not a slight to anybody that I think they got forced into a little bit because there were some injuries and they weren't Mm. sure. They had to shuffle some guys around. Um, Next year, I think if that is their line next year, and I'd put money on it right now, if that's their line, that is a plan. That's like a recruiting plan. That is a line that like guys, when they're drawing up things on the whiteboard, Mm -hmm. Say that's what our line's going to look like in 2019. That would be really, really good. So I thought Wyatt Davis played well. Yeah, in that role, yeah. He stood a dude up. Like that's all you can ask. He he on the on the when he got in there uh, on the touchdown run when the, when he was in for that one series on that touchdown run. Dobbins ran to that side and Wyatt Davis, like two two of those uh, sheep with the fancy horns out in the wilderness, fancy wo- up on a mountain, a, a ram, a ram. Two rams butting heads when they butt the heads together and they both like stand up because their momentum is taking yeah. them into each other. That's what Wyatt Davis and the Nebraska defensive guy did. They ran into each other and they both stood up and like stalemated, but like Wyatt Davis locked on that dude and wouldn't let go. And J.K. Dobbins got in the end zone. So well done, Wyatt Davis. So quick side note: if they're fancy horns, what's a normal horn for no, you? No, no, like a fancy horn, like a Princess Leia, like curled horn, rather than right. like, just like a goat horn, like a devil horn. But if that's like a their straight normal, devil horn. if that's like a normal ram horn, then like. Well, it's a normal ram horn, ram horn, but I think by definition, rams are fancy, right? Wouldn't you say that a ram is a fancy animal? Let, 
No. But, but fancier, fancier than like a goat with just like a straight, like if a ram and a goat were like in an animal fashion show, the ram is much more attractive with the spinny, the spinny curvature horns. I would say that the ram uses their horns a little more often than a goat would. If you, but if you had horns, would you rather have, would you want straight horns or would you want curly fancy horns? Well, it depends on what I am. Am I a goat? Because if I'm a goat, I just want the goat horns. No. But if you were a goat with straight pointy horns, you would wish for curly horns every day of your existence. Little goat. Goats are cute. My kids follow an account on Twitter like about goats with like baby goats. Baby goats are cute. I don't know what a baby ram looks like. Uh, Let's see. Oh. So this is Soul Slinger 1 is the one who said it seems like every year Michigan State has the best rush defense until they play Ohio State. That was kind of mean to say, but I think it kind of makes sense. Um... Deep in the queue from Jeff, I think the running game sets up everything they want to do on offense. I'd love to see them run between the tackles more north and south. Um, I thought they did that more. I think that is what they should do. I think J.K. Dobbins does that very well. I think we've talked a lot about that. I think yeah. Mike Weber bounces stuff. I think J.K. hits a hole and goes. You're writing about this. You like What is your belief of them, of, of how this should and could set up the pass game now? Again, something was not quite right with Dwayne Haskins. And we'll right. hopefully get to talk to Dwayne Haskins either Tuesday or Wednesday. Something was not quite right with him. But does it make sense to you that this run game should be able to set up Dwayne Haskins for success? Yeah, that's been the case since Urban Myers got here. The run game is always kind of set up the big – especially with big plays. He's always used a run game to set that up. Last – the Nebraska game has been a blip so far for Haskins as far as throwing the ball. I don't think he'll play that bad again. So, yeah, I, the fact that their running game seems to be back on track, that's going to help Haskins a lot more because, you know, it sets up the big play option. And when you got a guy who's got an arm like that, let's talk Cardell for a second. Their, Zeke, Zeke's success set up a lot of those big plays where we just got to see Cardell let it fly to Devin Smith and Gus Johnson's beautiful voice in the Big Ten Championship. You love Gus? I love Gus. You love Gus? Everything about Gus is amazing. We'll get you to hang out with. That'd be a good story. Gus is always around like a Big Ten media days. We'll have a Steven and Gus day. If I was a wide receiver, I would want Gus Johnson to call every single one of my catches. Like when, because uh, Denzel Ward made a shirt after uh, Gus had that call about, what did he say? He said something, Denzel Ward made a hit, and he said something about hurt my feelings. Or yeah. Something. Yeah. Every, Denzel Ward made a hurt my feelings. Yeah, shit. no. If I get any big, if I was a wide receiver, I would want Gus Johnson to call every single catch up. I don't even care if it's just a random slant route or a screen. You know, I don't, if it's a go route, I don't care. I want him to call every single one of them. Now, my that catches. makes me think, that makes me want the story. When you write a story about Gus, I want it to be that you make Gus come up with a catchphrase for you. Yeah. What does the Steven means? Like, you drop, like, a great sentence. I don't know, because I don't even think he thinks of these. I think it's just kind of in the moment. He really just gets into it, and all of a sudden something just great pops out. Like, he's not like how, you know, Mike, Mike Breen for the NBA, he's just got the bang. Like, yeah. It's any, like, that's just the signature. I don't think Gus Johnson has a signature. He's just, you know, it's just in that moment of, like, oh, my God. All right, so what's, like, the most athletic thing that you can do? It's on the, is it on the basketball court? Yeah, right now, I mean... You're I still know. young! Yeah, but don't like, give I don't... me the old man face! <laughs> yeah, but I don't, like, that's not, like, a daily part of my life anymore, so I don't know. But you went to college to play basketball. Yeah. Wait, For a year. Did you... <laughs> In not, Delaware? Like, yeah, I'm not... Listen, listen, I am not sitting here saying, comparing myself to any Division One athlete or any pro athlete. That's just a disclaimer. So, no. Yeah. Like I said, I played high school golf. <laughs> what, uh... Did you have like a great handle? Were you a great three point shooter? I can, okay, yeah, I, I think, um, 
I was a good hand. Like I was a, a playmaker. So okay. yeah, um, I thought I was a really good passer and that stuff. Stuff. I don't know, man. That's like but, 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 it's hard to judge a game. So were you the point guard? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Were you a pass first point guard or were you a scoring point? Oh uh, no, I was a pass first point guard. Really? Yeah. How many points again did you score in high school? I don't remember that stuff. But you're not, you weren't looking, were you looking for your own shot? No? No. Okay. Okay. To put this in perspective, I am 24 years old, ladies and gentlemen. So for my era of like growing up watching basketball was the 2000s. Um, so, you know, the point guards that were good in the 2000s were going to go Chris Paul, Steve Nass, Jason Kidd, uh, Darren Williams had this small little run for a little bit. Um, I'm trying to think. But you're so okay. So, but had you been watching Russell Westbrook, would you not? If have I was been? a child right now, I would 100 percent want to be either Russell Westbrook, Stephen Curry, or Kyrie Irving. 100%. I'm imagining. I'm, now I want to play a pickup game with you, and I'm going to stand. 100. I'm going to stand, and I'm going to be doing this at the three point line. Steven, Steven, I'm, I'm not going to ball, and you're going to go right to the rack every time. It, I know it's if, not that. No, no, because like, no, I'm just not gonna hurt myself like that. But yeah, if I was eight, nine years old right now, I'd 100% want to be one of those three guys. You could throw Damian Lillard in there too. But. All right, write that. Write down. Gus Johnson gives me a catchphrase. That's your story for next July. Gus Johnson. All right, this is from Mike who emailed us at Buckeye Talk Pod at Gmail. Mt Sugar Free, and I'm excited to read this because he addresses it, Doug and Steven. How about yes. that? See, you're in. I'm included. Long-time listener, first-time emailer. Gents, I'll open with this. I was actually encouraged with the progress from Saturday's game. Again, we're staying on a positive vein. Mm-hmm. Of course, the turnovers were bad, but that's generally an easier problem to work on. Two weeks ago, everyone, including myself, was bemoaning the running game. We rushed for 230. We were bemoaning the red zone problems. It looks like that's been addressed. The announcers kept spewing crap about the passing game taking a step back, but obviously we went into this game not thinking of balance but of learning how to run again. There's uh, no doubt this is only a first step, but a really good first step. I'm far less. I'm really far less concerned with the offense than the defense. Um, he's feeling good, basically. He was excited by Brendan White and the breath of fresh air. I'm not holding out hope for a playoff berth as of today. I think we lose to Michigan, but I also see a path forward and would not be surprised if we develop, even in the next three weeks, into what we could have been all along. Thanks for the podcast and go Bucks from Mike. I think that is an interesting question, and here's the question I want to ask out of that. And thank you for the email. Thanks for including me. Yeah, see? Made me feel good about myself. Can they get to who they can be? Do you think by the end of this season, before the bowl game, because sometimes by the time you get to the bowl game, it's like, oh, my God, they figured it out in bowl practice. Mm. But if they end up in a bowl game that's not the playoff, then it's like, well, they fell a little short of what they wanted to get, right. so it won't really matter. By the Michigan game. This is by the Michigan game. In that Michigan game, do you think we will see the best of this team? Or do you think we will end up seeing a team? And then then it's a, it's a second question. of if, if they're not at their best, is it like, well, this is the best they could do because they had fatal flaws. But do you think we will see an Ohio State team that can throw it, that can run it, that isn't a great defense but is not giving up giant plays all the time, that is a competitive defense? I think that's their best-case scenario right now. I think so. Very dangerous Throwing and running together, really good, high-powered, top-five offense, and a defense that's pretty that is okay, maybe good, and basically won't kill you by constantly giving up giant plays. I think that's top-end, best-case scenario. That's a playoff possible possible team. I think. If you had to guess right now, is that who they will be by the end of the year, or do you think they won't get there? I think they can get there. I think a lot of it has 
got to do with like the coaching staff understanding that this isn't like the best defense they've had, and so they've adjusted to that by putting themselves in positions where okay, you might get a lot of yards, but you're not getting big plays on us, which has been key there. Now, offensively, a lot of their problems are fixable, and I they started with the run game. I think Haskins having a blip on Saturday. You know, kind of, but the fact that their running game is back on track, I think Haskins is too good of a, a throwing quarterback to have a game like that again. I think that is the worst game he will play this year. I think the running game seems to be back on track. So yeah, I think they can get there. And we're going to bring up 2014 again. It wasn't until the Big Ten championship that we really saw all that click in one game. They had been good all year and you had seen parts have their moments. But it wasn't until then where, like, and yeah, JT Barrett was not there, but, you know, Cardell Jones wasn't a, a, you know, a terrible second option at that point. But I think the Big Ten championship, and a little bit um, at the end of the Michigan game was when you started to see everything click at the same time. And I think that's where we're headed here. I'm not saying that, I'm not putting it on record that they're going to win a national championship right now. But I am saying that, yeah, I think by Michigan week, you'll start to see all the parts clicking in the same game for the first time this year. It's interesting. I'll be very interested to see like what it seemed like Dwayne Haskins was saying that there were some things with the past game that weren't just misses. There were some miscommunications, I think on yeah. depth of routes. Um, sometimes if a guy runs his crossing route at seven yards instead of nine yards, you throw it, and all of a sudden your throw looks high, and it's right. like, what's wrong with the quarterback? And it's like, maybe there's nothing wrong with the quarterback. And um, that's fixable in practice. That's not like a, yeah. oh, my God, issue. That's just to tweak some things here and there as far as your communication. That's a very easy fix. And that's a very that – I'm very – like, I'm, I'm not excited, but, like, I'm very curious to see this offense on Saturday because yeah. I think if, like, the stuff they fix in the run game keeps working – and they fix some things in the past game. They get a little at some of those communication issues. What will that look like? I'm very curious to see. Steven, let me ask you. Do you wear caps? Yeah. Do you wear socks? Yeah. Do you wear scarves? Yeah. Hoodies? You wear a hoodie? I got a hoodie on right now. You wear like sweatpants every? You wear like a like a like a like a track sweatpant kind of thing? It's the new in style. Yeah. Basketball shorts, you wear basketball shorts? Of course. T shirts? Man. Tank tops. Yes. You could get all those things, Stephen, and you can't get them because you cover Ohio State. But everybody else listening to this, you can get them at shopohiostate.com, our very first sponsor here on Buckeye Talk. Guess what? Spirit is in season. That's what it says on their website at shopohiostate.com. It's the Ohio State University Barnes & Noble Bookstore. They have all kinds of stuff because Christmas season is here. All right? They have a button for shopping for sweats. If you just want sweats, it's in the fall mood, you want some sweats, Shop sweats. You can get 25% off something by signing up there, right? You give them your email, you get 25% off. That's worth it. Go do that. But if you're ready to start shopping for Christmas, gifts for him, gifts for her, gifts for the fan, alumni gifts, best-selling gifts, holiday essentials, shop all the collections. Listen, they make it easy for you. Let's say that if Stephen wasn't an unbiased reporter and I wanted to get him a welcome gift to the beat, I would click gifts for him. And what could I get him? I could get him a training beanie. I could get him a wide variety of caps. I could get him a t-shirt. I could get him a key fob, right? I have all these different things. I have all these like uh, cool shorts. Um, ooh, the washed twill shirt. That's like a fancy short. It's like a nice khaki short that a dad might wear. 
Steven's looking at me. <laughs> they have ties. How about a Buckeye tie with the Block O, a really sharp scarlet tie with the Block O with Ohio State. They have an Ohio State belt with a very subtle Buckeye leaf on it. Um, the uh, a hockey jersey. Who wants a hockey jersey? All kinds of good stuff. Get in the shopping mood if you have an Ohio State fan in your life or secretly if you want to buy a present for yourself. This is the place to do it. They have a great selection. They have great prices. They are our loyal sponsor. You help them. They help us. Right now, start your Christmas shopping. The Ohio State Bar uh, University Barnes & Noble Bookstore on High Street in Columbus. And if you can't get there yourself, go to shopohiostate.com. With all the problems Ohio State has had at safety, how did they not try Brendan Wright before there on Saturday? That's from Seth Shainer at Shainerbaum, our co-host from a couple weeks ago. And again, we've mentioned, Stephen, that you talked to Brendan White after the game. When, what, do you feel like, first of all, did Brendan White mention anything about like why maybe he didn't play before? And then in general, if you see a guy come out and have a performance like that, do you consider it a failure of the coaching staff that that guy has not been on the field in that position really before? Or is that just how it works sometimes? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, he talked about how he's played. He, they've listed him at multiple positions since he showed up on this campus. And Receiver. Line, line, linebacker. linebacker, he was a receiver for a while. And it's hard. But that has happened to other guys before, and yeah. sometimes it does hold you back a little bit yeah. until they figure out what you are. And they found the right position for him, which is ironically like what I guess he was born to play because it's hereditary. His father played the same position and even had an 11-year career in the NFL. But I think a combination of you know them – once again, like not wanting to play some of their younger guys, which even Urban Meyer stated that he's asked those questions on why some of those younger guys aren't playing, and even stated that a lot of it has to do with yeah, you can do that well in the game, but like if you're not doing that consistently in the practice, they're not going to put you in the game, which yep. is the typical coach thing to say. But I think it was also this the opportunity that was presented to him. Jordan Fuller gets ejected in the first, and so there's a need there, and he just kind of filled that void and. You know, stuck to the basics and it worked out in his favor. So I think it's a combination of both, which is, you know. It's hard. It's one of those things. It's like, do, do you think the coaches are not playing the best players? Like, is there some secret plan to not? We don't see practice. And sometimes guys, some there are some guys, and I'm not saying this is the case with Brendan White. Some guys don't look as good in practice as they do. Like, they're, they're when the lights go on, they're better. And there are some guys where it's the exact opposite, where they're, you know, warm up superstars, but then those lights lights go on and they just freeze. So it's hard to tell sometimes. Yeah, if somebody consistently looks better in practice, but then that person gets out in games and isn't getting it done, would you think as a coach, well, the guy who looks good in practice is not playing well in games? Mm -hmm. I know what the answer is. Put in the guy who doesn't look as good in practice. That's going to work. Like I understand the idea as a coach that it, that it, if you if the guy is is not oh if he's not exploding in practice right. what what are you supposed to do and it's not like that. It, look there's not an all american guy who's just not playing right now i don't think so yeah there's probably a guy who's better than the guy who's in front of him but it's not like there's a guy where like oh the difference between him playing and not playing is him being an all american and being a first round nfl draft pick and him you know just being a bench warmer i think a lot of those cases i think coaches like to choose the when the opportunity presents itself that was the case in point on Saturday where the opportunity that just pretty much presented himself where it was, okay, Fuller's gone now, so we need somebody to fill that board. 
hey, Brendan, you've had a couple good weeks of practice. Go ahead and go in there. And then he did an excellent job, and all of a sudden it's, hey, how come he hasn't been playing the whole time? Well, maybe he's one of those guys where – in practice, he was slower to get things, but then you put him in the game, he's ready to go right away. And that's the difference between a gamer and a practice player. And I will say that Sean Wade is a guy that we've talked a lot about on this podcast this year, and he is a guy who clearly has been showing things to the coaches in practice because yeah. he didn't really have a role when this season started. He was injured last year and held him back a little bit. He was a super highly rated guy, another second-year guy. We're talking about the future of this team. And he forced himself on the field. Sean Wade did things in practice, mm-hmm. and he created a situation where they said, we're going to keep our three primary corners as outside corners, and we've created a nickel corner spot, and our slot corner is going to be Sean Wade. I think maybe it helped focus those three outside corners, and you didn't have to move Jeffrey Okuda or Kendall Sheffield or Damon Arnett into the slot on third down. But I think also you don't make that move unless you have somebody who can do it. Sean Wade proved he was ready to play. They made a spot for him, and I think Sean Wade has played well there. We've been waiting for Sean Wade to get more time at safety. Sean Wade has started to get – he was starting to get a couple series at safety even when Isaiah Pryor was healthy. Mm -hmm. So then Isaiah Pryor's not healthy. He doesn't play. Sean Wade gets that spot. That makes sense. But still, they find a way. Sean Wade goes to nickel corner on third down, and Brendan White had a role in that game as the next safety up when Pryor was out. So Sean Wade is an example, again, as you're asking, why aren't young guys playing? Sean Wade's the same class as Brendan White and Isaiah Pryor. Sean Wade forced himself onto the field this year. However, right now, the way things went last week, I think their best shot for this week, and Urban Meyer has said that Isaiah Pryor's in the mix it sounds like he's not 100% healthy yet, so it's White and Wade fighting yeah. for that safety spot they haven't decided. We'll see who ends up starting on Saturday. I would let Sean Wade play one position. Now, there's a couple considerations here. I think that if White can play safety, make Wade your nickel corner, that's like a starting spot, mm-hmm. and you're fine. However, Michigan State, I don't think, is going to put him in nickel very much. Michigan State's a more traditional. They're going to mm-hmm. use a tight end and two running backs sometimes. So if you like Sean Wade... And you think, well, Sean Wade's our nickel corner. He has a role. You might not need the nickel corner a lot this week, so you might want Sean Wade on the field. So I could see a situation where maybe both White and Wade play this week, but then when you play another team that's going to use three receivers as a regular personnel package mm-hmm. and Sean Wade's going to have regular reps at nickel corner, now White's your starting safety, Wade's your corner. They each stay in one position. But I'm a little bit fearful of the idea that if you do that this week, maybe Sean Wade will hardly play. I think the, I think they're going to do what they were going to do on against Nebraska, where Wade's the starter, but um, Brendan White comes in on third down. So that was the original plan until Fuller got ejected from the game, right. and and White knew that completely going into the game. So I think that's what they go with. Wade's the starter, and White comes in on third downs. And I do think uh, the one thing we've talked about this is Jordan Fuller can play anywhere. Can he play either safety spot? There's right. a there's kind of an ongoing thing of how different are the two safety spots, but Jordan Fuller's experience and ability allows you to sort of put the other guys where you need to be because Jordan Fuller can. Uh, Jordan Fuller clearly is their best safety, yeah. but he could do whatever you ask him to do. So if you tell him, "Listen, we need you over here because we're going to put White White in this spot," or "We need you over here, we're going to put Wade in this spot," Jordan Fuller's like, "Whatever, I'm good. I can handle anything." Mm. Nikki Unders. Tough Borland has 34 tackles. 34. Why does he continue to get reps at middle linebacker? Am I crazy for thinking that maybe Browning would not play? Playing Baron Browning would not result in any drop-off in production. If his first name was Anthony, would, be, would there be less love for him at linebacker? 
So Bill Landis wrote a Tough Borland story for us earlier this year that explained the origin of his name Tough. And it, it's not his God-given name, but it is the name... Wait, is it his God-given name? I can't remember. Go read Landis' story. I don't think any... No, I doubt that. No, it's not his name? I don't know a parent that's... But it was his name? And he, he made his teacher in third grade call him Tough. That's the story. It's probably his nickname. He just kind of stuck with it. No, kind of like a, how we story. call Magic Johnson Magic, even though his name is Irvin. No, I, get, I, I can't... Now i got to look it up. Lance doesn't even work here anymore. He's going to get free hits off of us looking up his story while he's off somewhere else. How a hand-fighting, name-changing, fast-healing linebacker became the heart of Ohio State's defense. All right, let's see. Where did his name come from? This is about karate. There's a lot of karate. It's a good story. Um, fast healer. His brother played. More karate. What is going on? Where's the name? can't remember. Borland. Where's the name? Is this good podcasting right here? A little bit. The name is unique. They, oh, oh, the Borlands gave their oldest son the name Jared Tuff. There you go. With the intention of calling him by his middle name. But his grade school teachers refused to call him Tuff out of fear that it might incite other students to pick on or worse, try to fight the tough guy. Who? Oof. So, what? So he, in fifth grade, he got his parents to legally change his name to Tough. So it is, oh, wow. it is his legal name. But, like, why would that, like, want kids to bully? I wouldn't want to bully a kid named Tough. Is no, it- but, like, if your name was, like, um, if your name was, you can't dunk on my head, means <laughs> everybody in the world would be like, yes, I can dunk. Okay, like- yeah, in the element, yeah, but just if we're just sitting in class learning arithmetic, I'm not just going to be like, hmm. That's tough over there. You're They're so tough. Pick on him. No, you no. think you're tough. Yeah, you it, think you're tough. So in a sports element, yeah, but not just sitting in the class learning, learning math. language arts or something like that. No. If your name was you can't dunk on my head means I would try to dunk on your head even in the middle of third grade math class. Um, <laughs> you look so stupid. Dude. <laughs> I, I'm With a piece I of paper do, bringing, I'm a, I could bringing do a trash it. can over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my fault, teacher. Yeah, you can't dunk on my head. Um, so here's the thing. And, and this is funny. This this happens a lot. This is like middle linebacker talk. There is a component of this that is making sure guys get in the right spot. When you are the middle linebacker, you are the quarterback of your de- of the defense. There's a lot more than just making tackles. I think Tough Borland is really good at that. It's just being a year older. I think he's good at that. I'm not saying Baron Browning's not good at it, but if you're asking me why does Tough Borland start and still play a little bit more than Baron Browning, I think that's it. It's more to being a middle linebacker than just getting tackles, unlike if you're a right side or a left side long. Outside linebacker, it's just different. And it's the same, I mean, it's the same thing in the NFL, right? So right. It's, it's, you know, just wait, wait until the guys, wait until the linebackers are out of alignment and a guy doesn't fill a gap and a guy mm-hmm. runs 60 yards. It's like you find out how important it is for the middle linebacker to get guys lined up. Mm-hmm. However, Baron Browning is now this deep into his second year. I do think he's more of a playmaker. Um, sometimes I wonder, like, I'm sure Baron Browning can do it. If it's one of those things, if Tough Borland is, Blank percent better than Baron Browning at that part of the job, but I think Baron Browning might be blank percent better at the sort of like go chase the ball and make mm-hmm. a play part of the job. Would you be willing to give up some of the, you know, captain of the defense lining guys upright, even if it's a half step back, just to get Baron Browning on the field more so that when a running back has the ball, Baron Browning's going to go tackle him? I don't know if I would do that at that position. Just because of all the other intangibles that come along with playing that specific position. Now, if we're talking, if 
both of those two guys were outside linebackers. 100%. I'm going with the guy who can tackle better. It's just how it goes. But with that position, the mind has to be there. The IQ of it has to be there as well. It can't just be physical because I'd rather have a guy who's going to do the right thing over the guy who's just talented. Uh, though at middle linebacker and quarterback and just in basketball, the point guard and baseball, the pitcher, the goalie and soccer or hockey at those positions where it's probably more 60, 40, when you go IQ versus like physical ability, I'm always going to take the guy who's smarter over the guy with more talent. It's hard to argue. And it's, it's kind of stuff, again, it, a lot of the stuff only shows up in mistakes. So when yeah. you're doing it right, you don't notice it, you know? Um, I do think Marcus Hartman is a guy who covers Ohio State. He's covered Ohio State since I've been covering Ohio State in 2005. I think he's really good. He and I have talked football a lot over the years. He writes for the Dayton Daily News now. He tweeted the other day that he thinks uh, the the Ohio State linebackers have been much better than the perception of them has been. That mm-hmm. he thinks um, I was kind of like, man, that's, that'd be my fault. Then, like, I've kind of been on the linebackers <laughs> all year. Um, and, and and someone had explained this to me, and I think it's. It's a distinction, and it's the what it's what defenses ask of certain position groups, and I think it's worth understanding. I talked about it before, but briefly, it's worth under Ohio State fans understanding. I think in the Trestle era, the defensive scheme they ran, a lot of it was designed for defensive linemen, especially the tackles, to take up blocks to free the linebackers to make plays. And I remember writing stories then about why doesn't Ohio State have a playmaking defensive tackle? They were mm-hmm. playing the SEC. They played Glenn Dorsey at LSU in 2007, and it's like, man, that guy's not here. There's not a guy like that at Ohio State. Where is Ohio State's dominating, pass-rushing, disruptive defensive tackle? Their defensive tackles kind of just take up space. Well, it was a scheme. But in those days, you saw a lot of really good Ohio Ohio State linebackers. They made plays all the time. Right. By design. Now you see it with the DNs a lot of times. So now, as I understand it, the, the what they're doing when Greg Schiano has talked about bringing linebackers up to the line of scrimmage, and they've stopped doing that. Basically, they stopped doing it. They're doing a lot of early on. Part of that, that design, is to have the linebackers take up space and take up blockers and let guys like Draymond Jones at defensive tackle make plays. So if you say, wow, how come these linebackers aren't like James Laurinaitis and, Ray, and, and A.J. Hawk and Marcus Freeman, and the best playmaking guys from back then. Well, I'll tell you back then, I was writing stories about how come these defensive tackles aren't like blank, and now Draymond Jones is exactly that kind of guy that I was saying back then they didn't have. So so maybe it's hard to have Draymond Jones at tackle and James Laurinaitis at linebacker. Because somebody has to take up the space. Somebody has to take on blocks and free up other guys to make plays. It's not going to be DBs. So if you're asking why aren't the linebackers making more plays, I think part of it is by design, and I think maybe we have to make sure that we're not letting our standard for linebacker play at Ohio State only be these great playmaking Mm -hmm. linebackers of the past who are NFL first-round talent guys who also were put in position to make plays by the scheme. I think right now, I don't think they are first-round talent NFL guys. And also, they're not, being in, they're not being put in position as much to make plays in the scheme. That being said, given the, the parameters of what's going on, I would play Baron Browning more than he's been playing. 
I think sometimes they played, as we talked about with the running backs, hot hand. I think they have gone hot hand a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think there are some games Baron Browning plays more than, than in others. I can't tell you exactly what kind of year Baron Browning's had. I think early on he looked lost at times. And I don't put that on him. I put that on coaching. I put that on scheme. I put that – if to me, if you can't find a way to let Baron Browning, who's a top 10 national recruit, be comfortable and confident as a sophomore, something's wrong with the coaching. I'm not putting it on the kid. So I think I, I think that – You're really pro player. No, no, no. Well, well only there's only uh, one group of people getting paid, and those people getting paid are getting paid a lot, and they're adults. Yeah. And I'm more than happy when I – the good thing I said when I get to go do NFL stuff is I'm happy to go rip millionaires. I will rip millionaires all day. There could be a millionaire walking down the street, and I would go up to his face and criticize but him. But if he's got a meal plan, you can't really <laughs> – Well put. <laughs> Michael Wine at Buckeye underscore seven. How many current position coaches will be back for the 2019 season? Speaking of ripping people, uh, I don't think Bill Davis is back. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I don't think Bill Davis is back. I think Larry Johnson's back on defense. I think Alex Grinch is back. I think Tabor Johnson's back. I don't think Bill Davis is back. I don't think he deserves to be back. I don't think he will be back. I don't have any inside information. Nobody whispered it in my ear. If he's back, I'm going to have a lot of questions about that. I don't know about Greg Strudrawa on the offensive line. I think Tony Alford's back. I think Ryan Day. I, I don't know that this is the year Ryan Day goes. He certainly could. Brian Hartline, like a, a lot of people like Brian Hartline. You think that's his job? I think you've got to look. I think there's a difference between just saying Brian Hartline's done a good job, he's the full-time receivers coach, and mm. saying Brian Hartline did a good job, we're going to go – look at receivers coaches and then maybe we'll decide that he's the best candidate. I think that's it is not a slight at Brian Hartline to say I think they should look at other guys first. And Urban Meyer didn't seem to lean either way. He kept it real vague when like he was asked about Brian Hartline's job as a recruiter. I think legitimately he's pleased with what Brian Hartline has done. Yeah, but like not enough to like he there was not enough of a emotion either way of I'm pleased enough that he's going to get this he's pretty much at the end of the year, we're going to sign him on full time, or we're pleased at what you did, but we're still going to look in a different direction. I think he kept it really vague. And, and here's the thing: there are a lot of former Ohio State players that are in coaching right now. None of them are here. Marcus Freeman is a really good coach. He's at Cincinnati. He's not at Ohio State. Jim Cordell was a really good offensive lineman here. He's had a small college right now, working his way up. Like. Brian Hartline was a GA here. Brian Hartline was like a GA here or a graduate. I guess he wasn't a GA. He was a a quality control guy, like helping out with the receivers. Mm-hmm. And then it's like from there you hope that you can get a job at like Akron. You don't get to start at the Fortune 500 company. And that's not a slight of Brian Hartline. No. There are not – Kenny Guyton, people think is going to be a really, really good coach. He's not at Ohio State. He's a Houston. Houston's not Ohio State. He's a position coach at Houston. He's actually the receivers coach at Houston. So Brian Hartline's a little older than that. And like some guys, you know, Mike Vrabel went straight from the NFL to linebackers coach at Ohio State under Luke Fickle. And Mike Mike Vrabel has three Super Bowl rings. And Mike yeah, that's Vrabel, a whole different like conversation. You know, he was on a very fast track from the get-go. Yeah. Um, so, you know, maybe Brian Hartline's somewhere in between Mike Vrabel and and Kenny Guyton. Um 
But I, I do not think it would be any slight of Brian Hartline to hire somebody else. And it would not be any slight of Brian Hartline if Brian Hartline was the receivers coach at Illinois next year or something. You know, I, I just I, I don't think like as great of a story as it is and as great of a job that he's done at Urban Meyer, I think he thinks that. I think the receivers have played well. I think he was lucky to inherit a very veteran group, but I think Brian Hartline has done everything you asked of him. Just because he's done everything you asked of him doesn't necessarily mean he should be the receivers coach next year. Just like I said when Luke Fickle was the interim head coach, Luke Fickle went 6-7. and seven. I think if Luke Fickle went 12-0, and 0, they still would have hired Urban Meyer. That sounds like something you say to someone right before you get ready to cut him. What's that? He did everything we asked of you. Oh, for sure. just not our guy. Oh, I would be very good at firing people. I see. I would like to fire someone someday. It's a dream of mine. That's a sick dream. I like to hold people's fate in my hands. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You don't know what you're in for here, brother. Um, yeah, it really is. I'm a terrible person. I hope I never have to fire anybody. Uh, more tough boring questions. Oh, this is a good one. Steven Slaughter. And then we're going to get to some uh, food and robot questions. Hey, Steven. Really, that's what it's all about. Steven with the PH Slaughter. Every time I say Steven with the PH, I'll say Steven with the PH. You, went, you said you used to go by Stevie. How did you decide that you're – are you a Steven to your friends and family? I am a Steven. I stopped going by Stevie when I, like, got older. I think anybody who goes by Stevie now is not just – like, I was a child going by Stevie. And what I about that's Stevie Francis? Thing. He was good. Yeah, he was good. But, like, he went by Steve. Did he? Yeah. Okay. How come you're not Steve? My dad's Steve. Oh. Yeah. He goes by Steve. I go by Steven. I I went by so like anybody who's known me when I was like four or five years old, they probably still call me Stevie. But for the most part, people go, He is Stefan. Could you be Steph? Could you be Steph? No, I God, I hate no? that. I hate it. Like nothing irks me more than when people call me Stefan. Okay, we won't. Or when you call me and when you pronounce or when if you like spell it wrong. That's everybody. Nobody wants their name spelled wrong. But yeah, don't I hate Stefan so much. Okay. Uh because I don't know, because sometimes there are people who have like a byline, and their yeah. byline name is kind of different than their everyday name. Yeah, I go by Steven on a daily basis. You do? Okay. To the average person. I don't want it to be like one of these things that I find out like in three years. And no. it's like, you're like, well, my friend's Oh, no, me. no, 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 no. I like set the tone of like what people are going to call me from like the first couple of times they're around me. Like, you're going to call me Steven. I was like, I've had this, I think I've, I've lived this scenario in my head already of like, we're at like the company Christmas party or something, or we're somewhere. And you go by Steven. And I'm like, something happens and I'm like, hey, Steven, what's going on? And you say someone and someone says, hey, Steve. What? And you're like, well, my friend's Okay, like, Steve. Right, I'm not, like, it's like some people say Steve and I don't like necessarily get upset about it, but it's like, call me Steven. I'd much, okay. I prefer Steven. And, like, if you do call, like, I've had people call me Stefan before, knowing what my name is, and I'll just, like, act like I didn't hear it. Because, I mean, you're technically not talking to me. True. Do you have, like, have anyone called you anything based on means? Yes. Like, I've heard everything from, do you mean business? Yeah. I used to, okay, when I first got Twitter, I was in high school, that was, my Twitter name was at I mean business. For real? Like, the I, how, like, I, like, how Apple does the I. Nice. I changed that, um, when I got to college. Because, like... You're a professional now. Yeah, and I didn't want to have to make a whole new Twitter, so I just started making my Twitter a little bit more professional. <sighs> Steven means business. All right. Yeah. Uh, where's the other thing I wanted to ask? Oh, here it is. Would we have seen the Tate Martell package if the staff is serious about using it, or are they saving it 
for the team up north, which is Michigan, and we can say Michigan. Ooh. So this is one of the great yearly debates about the Ohio State-Michigan game is who, who, what is being saved? Who is saving something? They are not – I don't. this is no. not a plan of like, hey, Tate Martell could have helped us score in the red zone no. for 11 weeks, but we wanted to save it for Michigan. I just don't think – because, like, it's not – the, the the one we always reference is when Jim Trestle lined up Ted Ginn Jr. as a tight end on one play and threw yeah. a touchdown pass to him. Like that's a, that's like a a singular formation for one moment. And it that works makes once. sense. That's never working again. That makes sense to say that for Michigan. But like a package, like if you put Tate Martell in the game, we know what he's doing. That's not a trick. It's like when Michigan had uh, Denard Robinson. What's the other guy's name? I forget his name. Um, Denard Robinson and the, and the other quarterback. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who was uh, who kneeled down next to JT Barrett when he got hurt, and everybody thought it was a good sportsmanship moment. That yeah. nice guy. What's his name? Even though he was talking trash, he was uh, okay. That's. I mean, I'm not like I've heard. Was it a conspiracy that, theory? That, yeah, it's a conspiracy that he, he was actually down? talking trash to him. No, that was a He's conspiracy. So nice. What's his name? The Michigan quarterback. Michigan quarterback. Hart. I think it was Devin something. Oh, Devin. Uh, One of my best friends is a Michigan. But. Uh, Gardner, Devin, Devin Gardner. Gardner. Yeah, my best friend's a Michigan fan too, which is weird because he's from Gahanna, Ohio. But, but he, I guess you, you've heard. Is that are you officially espousing There's, this conspiracy listen, theory? Ooh, this is going to be my thing. I'm a conspiracy. Um, I'm a conspirator. <laughs> there is a conspiracy that he was talking trash to him down there, which is not like that bad. Like you don't it's know. It's not that bad if you kneel next to the head <laughs> of a guy with a broken leg and he say, didn't know. Okay, none of us knew his leg was broken at that moment. It looked pretty. It looked bad, but this is the same guy who like played like forty eight hours after he had surgery on his knee. What would you even say? What would you? What would the trash talk be in that moment? I don't know. Trash talk is in the moment. Like nobody plan. I'm listening to Draymond Green or Gary Payton, but most people don't plan their trash talk. But like to yeah. kneel next to somebody and like grab and be like, "This is a conspiracy." Hey, I doubt it's it's a true one, but like that would be so amazing if he actually was talking trash to him in that moment. I would love that. You think I'm mean? That's, that's not awful. mean. That's that's competitive. That's not I competitive. His leg is he's a he's broken. I love that. Cruel. God. You come from an era where like players were fighting on the court. When I come from an era, what, what does it mean? I come from an era. Yeah, that's like tough. That was what tough sports were. Like the bad boy Pistons. Yeah. Yeah. Bill Lambeer and Rick Mahorn would kneel wow. next to your head while your leg was broken and trash talking. Exactly. I but, don't think Devin Gardner would. Um, but uh, yeah, you knew it, it, when it got to a point that both of those two were playing. You knew what was happening. If Denard Robertson's shoulder was messed up, so he definitely wasn't throwing the ball. And it was kind of the same thing when like Brack, they would put Braxton Miller at quarterback when it was all three of those guys, and they were still trying to figure out who the quarterback was until like they just decided to put Braxton at wide receiver, which was genius because that's what he was going to play in the NFL anyway. And if he had a long NFL career. You knew what was happening if depending on which one was in the game. Well, that's like the thing. We waited all year for like the Braxton trick play when Braxton was going to throw. Braxton didn't throw. Yeah, Braxton I definitely all year. Thought, no, I definitely thought it was going to happen against Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech. I definitely thought just to set a tone year. of like, listen, this can happen. But no, it didn't happen. I think that's what we'll get now. It's like if they put Tate Martell in the game, they're running an RPO 100%. I, I just don't think I, I don't think they feel comfortable with it. Urban was asked again about it on Tuesday. He said like Tate's a little frustrated, but it's positive. Like he wants to play. Of course, he wants to play. Yeah. I just I just I don't know what it is. I think a component of it could be like Haskins psychologically that like they don't want to just mess with Haskins by being like, hey, here's an important part of the game. Come to the sideline. Especially when everybody knows that like next year 
Yeah, so I'm like, I, I can see Dwayne. Dwayne, I think, is a very competitive, proud guy. I can see him being yeah. the kind of guy who would be like, I'm not super cool with this. And not he, that he would do it. No, he if, wouldn't if, show it, but he would definitely, like, especially if they did it, like, like if they did it this week, say, if they just threw Tate Martell out there and ran some RPOs with him, Hashes isn't coming off his best week. So, of course, right. that's going to impact him even more. While with Tate Martell, obviously he's positive. This is his team next year. And, and Ryan Day, when the, one of the million times that we've asked, people have asked about a Tate Martell package this year, when he answered it in the bye week, he was talking about the idea that when you start like changing personnel like that, it kind of gets you out of the flow a little yeah. bit. It slows you down. They do like to go tempo sometimes. They have gone tempo in the red zone sometimes. But clearly they did change personnel packages against Nebraska with his right. jumbo package. But, but the one thing, that's a lot different. when you put Wyatt Davis in the game, you're not taking out Dwayne Haskins. So if you think you have a solution that keeps Dwayne Haskins on the field, I understand why you have gone that way, mm. and maybe you have been reluctant. And not, I mean, they just haven't done it. They haven't done it. So, like, we don't like here at Cleveland.com. We we have kind of stopped asking about it because I just don't, I don't think they're saving it, and I just don't think they're going to go there. And I think Tate will have his time next year. But I just, for whatever reason. They don't think it's the best thing to try to help them win, so they're not going to do it. Brian Egan at Brian Egan seventy eight. Is Haskins afraid to get hit, or is it a combination of not getting hurt and not and just not being a mobile quarterback? I find it hard to believe a guy like him can't be a little more mobile. So he can't be. No. Like I, I wrote this on Monday. He's just not. And everybody holds on to the twenty two yard scramble against Michigan last year. And if you look back at that, he really does not look no. that great. He looks. He does not look smooth running the ball. A, he is uncomfortable and awkward in the zone read, and he always has been, mm-hmm. and that's fine. B, he can't move. And no. again, like, I don't think, not to be stupid, but like, there's not a lot of complaints that Tom Brady doesn't run enough. Like, or if you're Peyton a great Manning. pocket passer who can throw, that is a really good thing, and that's what it is. Uh, like, do you, when you watch him, do you see a guy that you think could run? No. I think he could. I look at him and go, okay, he does just enough to buy himself some time. Now, when he scrambled that one time and went three yards and then with nobody around him decided to just slide, come on now. He could have probably got out of bounds in that play. But I think he does just enough to where if the pocket collapses, gets outside and gets out, get out of bounds as quickly as possible or get down as quickly as possible. And he took that to an extreme in one play. But, no, I don't look at him and go, Oh shoot! If that pocket collapses, he's gonna make a play out of that. No, he's got. And I said, uh, it's that was an NFL slide. That was a that was a I'm that not, wasn't an NFL. Slide. No, but I mean, like that was a. I'm not. I'm not risking like all, twenty yeah. million dollars. Yeah. Slide. <laughs> that was a bit much. But like, and and that's okay. Like I, I'm not no, gonna hold that against the kid. He's he is out here doing everything he can. He knows he's terrible at that. He's not comfortable doing it. But here's the thing that I, that I think needs to be the final part of that is, th- at least a couple weeks ago, it might have been against Indiana, there were, have been a couple times where, like, on third and seven, he'll drop back and, like, he gets a little pressure and he sees a lane and he takes off and it's like, you are never getting no. those seven yards. No. And he runs for four. Or it's third and 11 and he runs for five. And it's like, he has to know, like, I think it's. I'm not blaming him for having an awkward slide. He should never run. He's got to learn how to like. He's getting paranoid because he thinks he's going to turn off guy. But he he's got to realize that like you're not a guy who's like 
everything collapses, go make a play. No, you're a guy where you do just enough to buy yourself some time so a receiver can like try to get open. And, or throw it out of bounds. Or get it, or get rid of the ball. So, like, that's, that's fine. And again, it's like we're nitpicking. It's just like the same. Well, how come this guy who's the best thrower that Ohio State has seen in decades, how come he can't do this? And it's like, because most people aren't good at everything. I think a lot of that comes from, like, maybe some of it, I'm, is coming from the fact that Cardell Jones wasn't the runner that JT Barrett was either, but he was big enough to where, like, he could take a little contact if he needed to take it. When he got rolling, like when he trucked yeah, that Alabama like, safety, everything about him screamed Ben Roethlisberger, like prime Ben Roethlisberger, not the Ben we're seeing right now. And I think with Haskins, it's like, ah, uh-uh, not even yeah. at all, not even in like emergency situations. You need to get rid of that ball as soon as you possibly can. No, I mean, I mean, Cardale is a Cardale's a freak. Yeah, he really is is a special kind of player. But but Dwayne is also a better thrower. Right. Uh, Cardell had a gigantic arm. He had a, yeah, Cardell is a better from a power standpoint. And, but every other part of being yeah, a passer, Dwayne's better, better at. So, again, it's one of those things that's very hard sometimes. It's it's a hard way to be a sports fan, which is constant to constantly wish somebody is something they're not. Yeah, Somebody's really good at this, this, and this, but why aren't they good at this? It's like, listen, man, because then if they were good at that, they wouldn't be good at the thing that they are good at. So, And the next year, when Tate Martell is running all, running all the time, they go, how come Dwayne has? How come he's not like Dwayne Haskins, and not as accurate as Dwayne Haskins? People have complained. Well, people Tate complained for four nine. years about JT throwing it. Yeah. And now they have a great thrower, and they're complaining why he can't run it. And it's, you always miss the thing that you have. You don't miss something until it's gone. So I just. But if you're like, if you're holding your breath, and the thing that I wrote the other day, and I and not to be flippant, but I'm right. The whole thing that people were worried about, to me the greatest worry was with Haskins, was that they wouldn't adjust the offense for him. I think in the end the problem was they adjusted too much. Yeah. They adjusted so much to a pass game they forgot how to do tailback runs. But the idea that like they have eliminated the quarterback run from the offense is 100% the right thing to do. So if, like, if you are waiting for Dwayne Haskins to keep it in a zone read or be a run threat, you're Not waiting happening. for the wrong thing. You need Ohio State to adjust so they can run with the tailbacks, let him throw, and put that together. But do not ask Dwayne Haskins to put himself or be put in situations where he's not going to succeed, where there are 10 other situations you can put him in, and he will light up a defense. I've been pretty steady. This is from Mark Roberts, Mark 44 Roberts, on that Notre Dame will lose and Buckeye fans shouldn't panic. It'll be okay. Am I moving on either of those? If Ohio State beats Michigan State but loses to Michigan, what bowl are we headed to? And will Buckeye Nation even care? Um, Can we pick a bowl right now? So if they don't – I'm like 99% sure this is right. The Big Ten has an agreement with the Rose Bowl if if – if Michigan, Michigan goes, goes to the playoffs, to the, playoff, the, playoff, goes to the, Rose Bowl. the next highest ranked yeah, Big Ten goes. team. So it would not be like the West team that lost the championship game. But if Ohio State is 10-2, and two, right. nobody from the West is going to be ranked higher than them. And it's been like that since before the playoff where like if the Big Ten team goes, went to the BCS, then like the next— It's by ranking. Yeah. Because so, we just now got a championship game a couple of years ago. Yeah, so this is the fifth year of the playoff. Right. So like, but the idea, so that, but the bottom line is they beat Penn State. Mm-hmm. Penn State has three losses already. If they beat Michigan State, they're going to be the next highest rated Big Ten team. If they win these next two games, by the time they get to the Michigan game, that game is going to be something like uh, the four versus seven. 
And it's going to be uh, one of these teams is going to the Rose Bowl, and the other team is going to the playoff, pretty much. So, in theory, yeah, like that. You wish it was the playoff, but Rose Bowl is not a bad they, consolation prize. Uh, and I'll tell you what: the, the one thing will Buckeye Nation even care is the second part of Mark Roberts' question. Um, I will tell you what will become a very, 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 very big storyline immediately is that Urban Meyer has never been to the Rose Bowl. Really? And Urban Meyer will, at Ohio State, he's been to the Fiesta Bowl twice, uh, the Orange Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, and the Cotton Bowl. So he he will have gone to... And he never made the Rose Bowl as a at Florida. Well, no, because like that's SEC, and it's like very rare that. So, like, if that's the scenario, and if they beat Michigan State, and Maryland, as you explained it, that, I think that's a hundred percent right. That's yeah. what that game is going to be. Winner is set up. Now, the only thing would be if Michigan beats Ohio State, but for some reason Michigan doesn't get in the playoff. Right? If Michigan then goes and loses to the West winner. Right and the Big Ten doesn't get a playoff team, or for some other reason, Oklahoma and Notre Dame and Clemson and Alabama get in ahead of Michigan, then Michigan is going to the Rose Bowl, then Ohio State wouldn't get there. But if Michigan would go to the playoff, Ohio State and the Rose Bowl would be a big deal because there's still a lot of tradition with that. For as successful as Ohio State has been, a lot of things have gotten in the way. They just do not go to the Rose Bowl that much. There was a stretch where I think Wisconsin went to three straight Rose Bowls. Mm -hmm. They never go. Because they're always in like the national championship game or they're the Big Ten champ, but the Rose Bowl is the national championship game. Right. That's how it used to be. So they don't. Last time they were in it is uh, Oregon. Yeah. So that was the 09 season, Mature. the 10 Rose Bowl. Yeah. So, you know, that's nine years since they've been in the Rose Bowl. And so, but Urban Meyer will go crazy. Urban Meyer will tell a thousand stories and everybody of a certain age and Urban Meyer's of that generation, if you're an Ohio State fan of a certain age, going to the Rose Bowl is the biggest thing there is. That's your dream. Yeah. Woody was in the Rose Bowl. Earl was in the Rose Bowl. That was what it was all about. And so... Granddaddy of the Bowl. If that's your consolation prize and there would seem to be a pretty good chance, you know, again, as long as the Big Ten gets a playoff team, um, it's the best... I mean, it's... It's the best consolation prize. For a Big Ten team, if you're not in the playoff, where do you want to be? You want to be in the Rose Bowl. So what do you think the percentage is that, they don't, that the Big Ten doesn't get a playoff team? I think it's – so I, <clears throat> I think it's very unlikely that they don't – A, because stuff happens, and uh, very seldom does like everybody win out. Right. But the complicating factor is that Michigan's loss is to Notre Dame. And Notre Dame is still in the picture. So – I even think, like, say Notre Dame has one loss. Mm-hmm. If Notre Dame has one loss and Michigan has one loss and Michigan's the Big Ten champ, but, like, their losses to Notre Dame. Notre Dame like, if Ohio it. State's the Big Ten champ with one loss and Notre Dame has one loss, I think Ohio State's in because they don't have a head-to-head thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much that head-to-head loss would complicate things for Michigan. And then the factor is, like, how good does the Big 12 champ look? How good does West Virginia or Oklahoma – if? Those teams are going to play to end the regular season and then very likely play again the next week for the Big 12 championship. If the same team wins the twice in that game, would the Big 12 champ with one loss and then you have Notre Dame, Clemson, Alabama, is the Big 10 champ left out? It's possible. And we're not going to know it until we get there. So who in your – you're the committee yep. of one. Yep. Who gets in as of – if in a scenario where it basically came down to – 
where going into the Michigan game, where Ohio State has won out going into that game, and Michigan has also won out right. going into that game. Alabama continues to do Alabama things, and Clemson continues to dominate the ACC. Who do you get? Who gets in for you? I would put in the Big Ten champ ahead of the Big Twelve champ, okay. because I think the Big Ten's a better conference. Yeah, um, especially like Michigan has a Wisconsin win in there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like Penn State has lost, some, but it's like it's one of those things you beat each other up. But if your question is, what's a harder conference to win? Is it a harder conference to win if if it's Michigan beating Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State, Wisconsin, and Northwestern in the Big Ten championship game? I think that's harder than winning the Big Twelve than beating Texas, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, and Iowa State. I think it's harder. I think you're better if you get through that. So. The Big Ten didn't get a team in last year, but it's because the Big Ten champ had two losses. I think if you're going to call the Big Ten, and a lot of people do, call it the best conference or maybe the one of the top two conferences, then how can its champion not be in? Unless it's an exceptional circumstance, and the exceptional circumstance was their champ had two losses. If it's a one-loss champ and you're in a situation where one-loss champs are being compared, how can the Big Ten not get in? I agree. I do think Notre Dame's going to lose. I don't know to who. Like, I think Notre Dame could lose to Florida State. I think, like, I just think Notre Dame is vulnerable enough. I wouldn't be enough. surprised if they lost to Florida State, but and, I don't think they're going to lose. I don't mean that. It's not because it's not Florida State's better than Notre Dame, because I think I just think on a weekly basis, Notre Dame is somewhat vulnerable. And then, like, Florida State plays the one game all year they've been waiting to play. They finally get it together. Right. Willie Taggart rallies the troops, and all of a sudden there's an upset. I, I think USC could do the same thing. Because places like Florida State and USC have good players. They just have crap going on right now. But for one week to rally the troops against a team that I think is winning with luck in some ways, I still think Notre Dame's going to lose. I don't think Notre Dame's going to make it. Because I think then all of a sudden, if you're comparing, okay, Notre Dame, who are you comparing Notre Dame to? Now it's Oklahoma against Notre Dame, and they both have one loss, then maybe I go Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. No, da, 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 da. Yeah, what else? What else? Would this? Oh, how about this? Greg at Greg C74, and then we'll get to the food questions. Would this team be better if JT had a sixth year? With this defense needing time on the bench and our identity, lost on offense, and these running backs, not to mention the lack of leadership on this team. And there's a second question in there, which is like, would they be better if Joe Burrow was a quarterback? But I think we talked about that the other week. Would you take just let's keep it about JT? Would you take JT for a sixth year or take Dwayne Haskins? For intangibles only, yes. Really? Yeah. If JT was back right now, you would put Dwayne Haskins on the bench and start JT? Because yeah, because of what this team is missing. Yeah. Just this simply, is in a world where last year people wanted Dwayne Haskins to play. Yeah. Now we're gonna give JT another year. So Dwayne Haskins if JT had a sixth year. Okay, so this is the scenario. JT has a sixth year. Dwayne Haskins never takes a snap at Ohio State as a starting quarterback. Knowing what we know right now. Uh-huh. Yeah. Really? Mm. I thousand percent disagree. Really? Absolutely. You don't value JT Barrett. No, no, no. We saw JT Barrett and um for what this team is missing. No, but but when he was here, what they were missing was what Dwayne Haskins gives them. All they talked, all we talked about for two years was they can't throw. 
All right, and then JT Barrett That's broke every record you can think of. Yeah, Dwayne Haskins is going to break them like next week. So, Dwayne Haskins. All right, is so set. How, how long until an Ohio State quarterback doesn't break like a record? Like break no, well, the whole thing about the Ohio State quarterback record is they all stink because yeah, nobody in Ohio so State history has ever done anything. Dwayne Haskins. Running backs. I think Dwayne Haskins needs to throw for 286 yards to break the single season passing. So he's going to get that in the first three quarters. In week ten, he's going to get in week ten. In, in, well, in fairness. Haskins throws the ball a lot more often than JT Barrett did. No, I know, but that's because he can throw it. That's, I mean, yeah. it's, it, it, I'm, not, I'm not taking that away no, from no, no, him. No, no, but I mean, I, yeah, but all I'm saying is, I mean, both times I think the staff has done what they try, they've done the right thing to try to accentuate the strengths of those quarterbacks. Yeah. But, but I, I mean, I, I just, I think we saw the JT Barrett era, and, and if, I think the I, difference I think is there's it. a larger sample for JT Barrett than there will be of Haskins. That's <coughs> the biggest um, differential there. Like JT Barrett got what three years? Four. Four. Yeah, because he got a, I mean, yeah, he got an extra year because of what happened. Well, I mean, with and he played. I mean, in 2015, he didn't. He started for forty percent of the year, but then he was the starter the other three years. Yeah. So, like, the sample is larger. I just can't. I, I. I mean, I can't sit on this podcast, and, and I, I can't even believe Greg asked it. And Greg knows that's a solid Greg, question. It's a great question, but like in a world where all people people did not want JT back, and to think now, now what we're missing is JT. I mean, they lost Iowa last year with JT, and they lost to Purdue this year with Haskins. I know, but who so, did, who gives you a better chance against in the playoff? That's not fair. No, the whole point is Dwayne Haskins gives you a better chance in the playoffs. That's not fair because because of course got, he does. JT got robbed in one of his years in the playoffs. No, I know, but I mean, I think in this era you need to be able to throw the ball. You need to hit teams over the top. Um, I think you need to have a more dangerous passing attack than what they have with JT Barrett to play at the highest, highest level. Ohio State won a national championship with a running back rushing for over two hundred yards. No, I know, but they also threw the ball. Games. They had a great. They had a great. Uh, Deep passing attack. Pardon, the okay, that, they yeah. made enough big plays with the throw with the passing game to. Well, that was an argument that people had immediately in 2014 was that would they have won with JT? And a lot of people think they would not have. I think maybe they would have. A lot of people yeah, think they, they would have. not have. They were starting to click, so I think they would have. But they think it's the deep passing game that changed the way teams had to defend them. But to JT's credit, he did throw it. Again, he threw it at times. I think he regressed as a thrower over the course of his career. That's true. He threw it better in 14 than he ever threw it again. And I don't know what that was. I don't know if it was the injury. I don't know if it was bad coaching. I don't know what it was. I certainly think he missed Tom Herman after Tom Herman left. Mm -hmm. I think that was for sure. But so if you want to tell me you're going to bring Tom Herman back with JT, maybe. But I don't want – maybe (laughs) maybe I'd take 2014 JT Barrett right now. I would not take 2015, 16, or 17 JT Barrett over Dwayne Haskins. Not even close. See, oh, so now we're going in the – I'm taking the best of like – but he individual. wasn't that. But you're asking sixth year. If you're getting the sixth year, maybe you're getting the JT. Oh, so you're saying it's going to keep declining. You I think see. he's going to all of a sudden? I didn't say he was going to jump back up, but like you're saying that like every year he was just going to keep getting worse and worse and worse till eventually I, like Ohio State. I think just he won. missed Devin Smith. You bring him Devin Smith back too. I mean, Devin Smith, uh, uh, talking about, and I, and I love the conversation of guys you appreciate more when they're gone. Talk about guys you appreciate more when they're gone. Devin Smith, you would kill for Devin Smith on this team. Devin Smith, yeah. they'd have Dwayne Haskins would have four more touchdowns this year if he had Devin Smith. And Cardell overthrew a lot of those passes, and Devin was just that good enough to go get Unbelievable. Some. High jumper. He's a high jumper playing, yeah. playing college football. 
tremendous. That's good. I, he's back. At, I think he's back at home. Um, he's not in the league right now. I, let's write that down. Call Devin Smith. Well, I mean, can he do anything else other than a go route? For that team, that's all you needed. Oh, yeah. You had and other guys great. who could do it. And which stuff. is great in college, but like in the NFL, that's not necessarily. No, no, no. But I'm talking like normal. that combination. The fact that you had Devin Smith, go route, Michael Thomas, everything, Evan Spencer, Austin yeah. Walker. And then, that's about, that's a and best, then all types of playmakers. That hit the, that collection of guys like playing off each other. So you're like, saying that if you put Haskins on that team. Oh, they'd be great. Would, would they have lost to Michigan State? Well, Smith was gone by then. Right, right, okay. But, Let's put, but, okay, just in that whole like span then. I mean, I think like I, they lost his 2015. Yeah. There was a lot going on, but it's like I think I mean JT was great in 2014. But if you had an offensive coordinator who could put Dwayne in the right system and make sure okay, that you so were letting Tom him do, Herman, do that's like yeah, the I think, whole package. I think Dwayne Haskins, the way he's played this year, if you put Dwayne Haskins as a starting quarterback in 2014 with Ezekiel Elliott so they go and those receivers, they don't lose to Virginia Tech. I don't know. I mean, they lost because it was a quarterback finding his way early on, forced into a situation. Right. I mean, if, uh, so it, you got to put the whole. So if Dwayne's together. a redshirt freshman, and all of a sudden Braxton Miller gets hurt, and Dwayne Haskins is in yeah, JT Barrett's role, cool scenario they'll use the whole. Scenario. Well, here's the thing, but here, I mean, if the whole thing is they would not see the, the thing that worked out there was Braxton played a certain way, and JT Barrett played that same way. They played okay. the zone read. Yeah. Uh, they would have been in trouble trying to switch to a passing offense that when Braxton be. goes down that late. Okay. It would not have worked. So you think that's part of the reason why they they chose JT over Cardell? Probably. I mean, that was close there. I think JT was more ready mentally to handle it and knowing the playbook and that kind of thing. But that's also a component of it. Yeah, I think that is a component of it, that there's certainly a style of play. And, and they've never done what they've done this year, but they had a right. whole offseason to get ready for it because they knew this was coming. In comparison to with the Cardinal, it had been like, you okay, you got 10 days pretty much. Right, and that's why nobody thought they could do it, and they found a way to do it. But the reason, part of the reason they found a way they could do it is because they had a high jumper at receiver and an, and an all-time great running back. And a good offensive line, a better offensive line they than this offensive line. every single game, which is what – I mean, th- this offensive line is, was kind of in the same position at the beginning of the year as that offensive line was, where, like, you know, that offensive line had a lot of guys who had never really started a lot of but, games. But by the end – yeah, I mean, Billy Price the year, is starting it. as a redshirt freshman on that right. line. Um, but by the end of that line, when you think about what that line was with Taylor Decker and Billy yeah. Price and Pat Elfline all on that same line – that's a higher quality line than this line is. It's the NFL line. It's a great line. Yeah. Okay, let's get to some food and possibly. Someone says uh, Chug Chug Pickles at one spelled out 774. What are the chances Jim Trestle runs for governor next term? Heard a rumor about that at Long John Silver's last night over a 12 pack of hush puppies. I always wonder, like, uh, if I'm being tricked into like some kind of like dirty internet meme, like is a 12 pack of hush puppies some kind of dirty internet thing that I don't understand? I'm 45. I hope not. Okay. I don't want to look it up because I'm. I don't scared. want to look up. I'm scared oh, to put 12 that, pack of hush like, puppies. Yeah, I'm like just... the chug chug pickles got me lame old guy to say 12 pack of hush puppies, and that means like oh 12 pack of hush puppies. <laughs> yeah, I'm not looking that up. I'm constantly in fear of that. Listen, I talked to Tom Osborne one time about coaches becoming political figures and Jim Tressel being that. There's a lot of people that think that if Jim Trestle wants to run for something in Ohio, he could do it tomorrow. And a lot of people, people would vote for him 100%. So, I mean, like, I don't know what the election is going to be on Tuesday night. People would if, follow that man off a cliff. If you're telling me that Cordray wins and that when the Republicans are looking for someone to run against Rich Cordray in four years, could it be Jim Trestle? I don't know. I mean, I have no inside information. I would not be knocked over if that was the case. 
People love him. He's got something to him. He, he has something to him. That, that makes you want to follow him. Despite what happened with the NCAA stuff, I think people believe two things. Believe him, even though like he wasn't completely truthful for that, and that's like been proven. People believe him, and they believe in him. And now the first part of that, the believing him, that I think, I think could that, um, and should be affected by the NCAA stuff, but mm -hmm. the believe in him part of that, that did not waver. I think it's just the fact that, like, whether it was wrong or not, they believe that he had the best interest in mind for his players. And I think that there's a slogan. Listen, I might do the wrong thing sometimes. And there's it's a difference. In the best interest of the people of Ohio. That's the difference between believe and believe in. Yeah. And a lot of people believe in that guy. That's and dangerous. Listen, and, and, and I, don't, I don't try to make personal judgments on a lot of people like that. I go by what other people think of you. And I go by, like, what do good people think of a person? And a lot of good people really, really, really like and believe in Jim Trestle. And that's just and, – and it's the same thing with Urban Meyer or anybody else. Like, you can have your own opinions. And when a lot of that Jim Trestle stuff was going down and we were all writing a million stories about it and there were things that did happen, but I can tell you there are good people – who believe in him and so what does that mean i don't know exactly what it means but it means something you are your reputation and it's not like all those people have been hoodwinked no you know no it's out there they all know the, him all the information is out there and they believe in him okay someone said which oh tyler shoemaker at buckeye tie 23 which do you prefer in cold weather chili or soup i don't like chili so i'm gonna whoa wow I'm going to soup. Don't like it at all? Nah. I like chili. I think chili, when there's a little nip in the air, when it's damp. Because the worst thing, I think the, the worst thing about fall, it's not the cold, it's the damp, right? When, the, when it's in your bones, that chill, that wet, that damp. Nothing fixes the damp like a big bowl of chili. Every day you say something else that screams I'm a dad. Like more every single day. What fixes your damp, young man? Damp. When you're damp, when you're nip. feeling damp, and there's a nip in the damp. In what, your bones. What fixes your nip in your damp? What do you want to eat when it's cold in the fall? I don't really like have like cold food. Or I think the only food that's like strictly for like a season is like Obviously, you eat soup when you're sick. Like, if you have a cold or something, somebody gets you some soup and, like, some hot tea with lemon. But, like, and then ice cream is usually in the summertime. But other than that, it's like, I just kind of eat it. I don't have a nip. All right. So, yeah, let's, really. so let's, I think we need to establish. <laughs> <laughs> we need to establish a food baseline because food is very important on Buckeye Talk. More right. so in the off season than when we're in the midst of a football season that everybody's very nervous about. Right. So, we've been very football serious. And I mentioned that in the questions. Let's try to lighten up a little bit. We've been very football serious for a wide variety of things, from Zach Smith through a team not looking great through a loss through Urban Meyer's health issues. This has been a very life-serious and football-serious season, so we've wanted to be serious. But we also like to talk about stupid things. What Are you an adventurous food palate? Are you kind of a basic guy? Is there a thing that you like to eat over and over? What what's your deal food wise? I'm I was very like conservative in the food I would eat. I'm starting to be a lot more adventurous. Okay. Um, I think there's a I'm one of those guys where sometimes you just got to give it to me because if you explain it to me, I'm gonna look at you like no, I'm never gonna eat that a day of my life. 
So let's get, what can I people send in suggestions of things that Steven just has to eat without knowing what they are? Um, let's get you Don't on. go overboard, people. Yeah. Not the whole, like, don't not the Rocky Mountain Oysters. Yeah, don't, no. Josh Curie, the real J. Curie 43. Doug, I think the question on all of Buckeye Talk Nation's mind is, does Steven Means prefer triangle cut or square cut pizza? Triangle. It's bigger. So what's your go-to pizza place? Like, what's your favorite pizza place? Um, shout out to Pizza Hut. I'm down with Pizza Hut. Like, and since I've done this, I'm expecting an endorsement of some type to come to follow this. I have been a loyal customer of yours for over 20 years. Nice. I'm 24, so like over 20 years means my entire existence. The, um, is there a local Columbus place that was like a go-to place? Angie's. 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 Angie's Pizza. Okay. It's amazing. Square cut or, or triangle cut? Because that's the problem. With, that's our whole issue. Columbus pizza is often square cut. Yeah. I think you can get it in both. I think if you, most of the time it's cut, it comes in squares, but I think you can get it. And you're okay with that? Like you wouldn't take that square pizza and throw it back no, in the No, 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 no. It's got to be really good for me to like not want it in a triangle just because when you think of pizza, you think yeah. of having to hold it. I yeah, he's why. making the triangle. Yeah, I'm doing the, you know, the whole thing. I, yeah, so. You I, believe inherently. Triangle cut pizza is inherently better than square cut. Yeah, it's why I don't eat Donatos because it always comes in squares. You're welcome. So we've had we had such a Donatos thing on this podcast that a Donatos person like reached out to us and like wanted us to eat Donatos because no. we ripped it so much. No. And I never got back to the guy and I kind of feel bad, but also I don't I mean, want to eat there. No, I think Donatos is great when you are at a kids party because it feeds more people, more yeah, more kids. But like, I wouldn't just like be sitting at home and go, hmm, I want some Donatos pizza tonight. I knew we hired you for the right reasons. Yeah. Uh, Chase Richardson, our guy. Chase KR19. Um, what's the best thing on a barbecue menu? Ribs, chicken, burnt ends, the sides. Tim Bielek is a big burnt ends guy. Burnt you, ends. That's like the, I don't know, it's burnt. I don't know. I don't I mean, understand. Yeah, I mean, that's all barbecue food. Uh, chicken. Chicken? Yeah. Um, uh, I like the chicken, too. Yeah. I'm not a big ribs guy. Uh, too much bone. I don't want a lot of... The, bone gives it flavor. But I want to be able... I'm not a dog. I'm not going to suck the marrow <laughs> out of it. I, I don't want – when I'm eating a thing, I want to be able to consume most of the thing that I'm oh holding. Oh, my God. So you get boneless chicken wings. Yeah, I do. I do. If I'm out eating with people, yes, because I don't – that's just like rude to be sitting there licking your fingers. But like if I'm at home eating, I'm getting like drumsticks or flats. Okay. Yeah, I'm definitely not doing that. I like the flavor. I love the boneless. I eat, I eat them all the time. But I just want white meat. That I can just put in my mouth. I don't want to have to. I'm not a caveman. Who thinks it's better for like here? You have to eat around the bone. What make the bone gives it flavor? Yes. No. What's the that? What's bone flavor taste like? <laughs> Good chicken. I don't want bone flavor. No. No bone flavor for me. Um, Chase also asks, "Did you see that robots are opening doors for other robots now?" Oh how, my god. How on a scale of one to ten? One is you welcome our robot overlords <laughs> and will be subservient as they take over the world. Ten is you are helping to lead the revolution against the robots. Where are you on your fear slash respect slash love slash whatever for robots? I own a lot of Apple products, so they're watching you. I yeah, literally. <laughs> like I love the robot. Um Unless an iRobot situation happens. What do you mean unless? Of course a ro an iRobot situation is going to happen. Can I be Will Smith? You can be Will Smith. The but guy I, who takes he, him down. He kills him? I don't know if he kills but him. But so then you're a 10, then you want to kill him. 
You, you're against no, he robots. didn't really kill him. He got rid of the one bad robot who like had they're, that thought of like they're all bad robots. No, it's not true. It's always it's always it's always Siri. Siri is the one that controls the ball. Are you afraid of Siri? Yeah, I don't really use Siri. Right, because you're afraid of her. All right, so I don't like I, having a conversation with somebody. Would you drink coffee made by a robot? I was in San Francisco this summer. There was a robot cafe where you went in. And there was just like a robot arm behind glass, and you said like, "What kind of coffee you want?" And the robot arm made your coffee. And I said, "I'm not going in this freaking coffee shop." Would you go in there? I mean, technically, like the coffee makers are robots. So. Okay. I knew you were going to say that. Listen, Mr. no, I get it. Like we're like the the baristas, the, also a robot. Um, it would freak me yeah. out at first. I would do it because it'd be cool. I don't know if I could constantly walk into that same coffee shop every single day and go, "Hey, can I get a latte?" And he goes. Okay, Stephen, please wait 10 minutes. All right, you're on our side. I feel better. Joseph Sura at Joseph M. Sura. couple questions for the new guy, Stephen. Number one, what is your view on robots? Are you as terrified of them as Doug? Sounds like you're not as terrified as me. No. Okay. Number two, best fast food restaurant? Mm. That's a good one. Cane's. Okay, that's good. I had canes for lunch today. I feel terrible inside now. I'm filled with grease. When I was in high school, it was only in Columbus. So, like, as a, in Ohio, yeah, obviously. Yeah. And, and it just so moved like, to Northeast Ohio. Yeah, recently. and it just, like, they literally just got one, like, right across the street from the apartment complex I lived in when I went to Kent State. And nice. That's not nice because, like, I would have been eating there every single day had I was still there. But, you know, be at canes. All right. Favorite drink? And I think you can take that any way you want to take it. I'm just gonna say water for real. Yeah. How much water do you drink? Like water every every day? Um, for a while, I was drinking like a gallon a day. I'm really? not. Yeah, I'm not there anymore. But I drink enough. Like usually, like it's water. I don't really drink pop. Uh, I'm a water guy. Sometimes it's lemonade or Gatorade, but for the most part, it's water. I drink pop like it is water. What is your strongest, hottest food-related take? Like you, you love a thing that people don't like. You hate a thing that everybody likes. What's your like mm. out? Like I don't like mac and cheese, and like. People won't think I'm. Yeah, I'm getting the stink eye from Steven. Like I just don't. What kind of person doesn't like? I don't know. Cheese? I don't know. Um. Also, my square cut pizza thing is a very hot take. Ooh, I gotta think about that. That's a good question. While you ponder, I'll ask you this from G Nilly ninety seven: Is cereal an acceptable meal for supper? It's a good midnight snack. It's actually better at night than it is in the morning. You know who eats cereal at night a lot? Who? Dads. <laughs> so. <laughs> Cereal is a great, like, I don't know, but the milk is just better at night than it is in the morning. That's a very dad thing to say. You know what else is a good midnight snack? Toast. That's another good thing to dad do. Ew. <laughs> I'll eat a good piece of toast That's at like disgusting. 11 o'clock sometimes. That's disgusting. Yeah. Um, let me see. You know what? I think we're almost we're almost done here. Oh, food takes from Stephen Means. People are very interested in this. Yeah. Another Russian 2, Ivan Ivanovich. I think Ivan Ivanovich, the, another Russian 2, Twitter handle has multiple Russian related Twitter handles and he changes the names to keep me guessing. We need food takes from Stephen Means. Have him weigh in on DiGiorno. My wife doesn't believe me or Bill Landis that it's the bottom tier of frozen pizza. 100%. 100% that it's terrible or that's great? It's not terrible, but it's not like the way they sell it to you. It's not delivery, it's DiGiorno. I mean, it's just pizza in a box that you put in them. Oven for 15 minutes. So you're offended by the, the the implication in the commercials that it's as good as like takeout pizza from yeah, a pizza shop. Yeah. I think I agree with that. It's too. no different than like Red Baron. It's just frozen pizza. 
David Jadwin at the Jadster. Is it a foregone conclusion that Dwayne is gone, or does his glaring inability to move outside of the pocket and throwing those cues change that? I will say, I, I, I was told people all year, assume he's gone. Just act like he's gone. There's no reason to do it otherwise. Right. Um, I saw a mock draft today for Matt Miller of Bleacher Report, who I think is a good mock draft guy, who I think him at, had him as the second quarterback in the middle of the first round to Jacksonville, like around pick 15. Had Justin Herbert from Oregon, number one. I think Herbert is everybody's number one. I think people who talk about this thing think Herbert could go back to school. I think if Herbert goes back to school, I'm not sure any quarterback goes in the top 10, although the Giants are probably going to pick number one and they really, really need one. Um, I think Haskins at the moment is in the mix for that second quarterback behind Herbert when you think about other guys that are in that mix. But I do think that in a world where Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson and Carson Wentz and Baker Mayfield are athletic guys who can move, and the league, college football has moved that way, therefore the NFL has moved that way, the fact that Dwayne just does not move very well, as we have talked about here, and it's fine, that's how he is, it is a it is some kind of of negative mark. Not really a negative, but it's something he doesn't do that a lot of other guys do. So yes, he can throw. I think yes, he can read defenses and break all that down. He has the arm strength and the accuracy. But if you look at Baker, if you look at Josh Allen, if you look Josh Rosen, I think was more of a pocket guy. But a lot of these guys, Carson Wentz is really athletic. I think Goff maybe doesn't move as well. Sam Darnold. Darnold can really move. Or Darnold's like a linebacker who converted to quarterback. He can yeah. really move. Dwayne doesn't move that well. I think it's going to be something that people hold against him a little bit. And so I think it's the one thing that if he feels like he could somehow work on that, maybe there's a world where he thinks he can raise his status to the point where he would be the number one overall quarterback if he stayed another year. So assume he's gone. I don't think he's 100% gone. And I think that's one thing that he has to think about. I think that all that sounds good, but in a world where Tom Brady is still getting to Super Bowls, and I don't, I can't stand Tom Brady. I'm a Falcons fan, by the way. Um, really? Yeah. So to sit here and you know talk about Tom Brady in a great way, nothing is irritating me more. Yeah. Why? That's fair. But yeah, to to all that sounds good, and it's all all the the running quarterbacks are great when you're talking about fantasy football. But in a world where Tom Brady, who can, who had the worst combine in the history of the NFL combine, is still getting to Super Bowls, I think Haskins will be fine if he's not the best running quarterback. See, it just did a weird thing. Okay, so yours is still recording. Yeah. So so what do I do right now? Resume. But I don't want it to resume. I want it to. So, so you know what just happened? It started over. Oh no! It made a. Uh, a but cut. it didn't. I guarantee it didn't. For real, like I can't. So, but it's like it keeps saying resume. So it's twenty three seconds is the one that just started. It the other thing just vanished. I swear to God. Oh wow. That okay. Um, what you're gonna have to do then is when we're doing these on phones, put your phone and do not disturb. Because then nothing can interrupt it. Okay. That's what I. That's what I do. Like, since I I've been using phones as recorders. I'll put the matter of fact. I'll even put it in airplane mode. Because then nothing can disturb it at all. Because like obviously everybody has people that like can still get to them when they're not on do not disturb for emergency purposes. But yeah, like when you're do, if you're do, using your phone for anything like 
podcast or record anything, put your phone in airplane mode. Because then it's literally just like a device okay. at that point. All right. So we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up here. We have a couple other uh, things we could get to. We'll, we'll, we'll have some time to get to some of this other stuff. Um, Basketball Wednesday night. Stephen will be in Cincinnati for the start of the basketball team. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll have a bunch of stuff coming this week on Michigan State. You can go drop the iTunes reviews at Buckeye Talk uh, on iTunes. We appreciate those reviews as always. Um, and before we go, we want to make sure we send a shout-out to our friends at MinutemanTickets.com. National selection with a local feel. Concerts, theater, sports tickets. Again, you're down to the Michigan game now for the Buckeyes, but maybe you want to go to Michigan State. They have tickets for that. If you want to maybe go to Maryland, they have tickets for that. If you want to go somewhere, go to MinutemanTickets.com. If you have that nervous feeling in your stomach about like, man, what am I going to do? Can I trust this site? You can trust them. They are problem solvers. They are locally based in Ohio. If nothing's going to happen, but if it does, right, the last thing you want to do is spend money on like a a big deal, a thing you're going to go to. Because in that moment, you can't get it back. If, if your ticket doesn't get you into the game – they're not stopping the game for you. You've got to have somebody you can rely on. MinutemanTickets.com is that place. They give to the community. They are that kind of connected. They're, they have roots here, you know? So, like, it's not a fly-by-night kind of thing. So, MinutemanTickets.com, if you want to see the Buckeyes here at the end of the year, if you want to see the Browns, if you want to see the Bengals, if you want to see the Calves, I don't know if anybody wants to see the Calves right now, um, make sure you go to MinutemanTickets.com. So, that's going to do it for this Buckeye Talk. We appreciate you guys listening. What do you think of the two hours? Go fast or go slow? It goes great because we make good conversation. Yeah. It's magic. We make magic. We make magic every week. Yeah. All right. Noon kickoff in East Lansing on Saturday. We'll both be there. Thanks to you guys for listening as always. So for Stephen Means, I'm Doug Maurice. And that was Buckeye Talk.